Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Valverde. The story you and mama told me, they ain't in there. Podcast show 223. And this show we're going to be doing on 420. And on this show, we're going to be giving you 20 ways to win your league in 2016. And it's a pretty awesome one because we got all four of us in the mix. I got Houdini to the left of me, and I got Stag Party across the way, Dogmatica to my right. I'm D Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com. Actually, some awesome stuff happening in the NFL today, as usual. I think, what are we, two, 15 days away from the draft being here in Chicago? More and like eight. Eight. Next yeah. <laughs> weekend? Yeah. Oh, my God. This, this month's flying by. I'm going to the thing. I don't even know when the thing is. Um, amen. Oh, shit. God damn it. Uh, I was hoping to go to Michigan next weekend. Nope. Um, good times, but... Big news happening. Draft. Another huge blockbuster trade. Uh, you know, let's Give me some 411. Let's talk about that and the other big news out of the Pantherdom. Uh, and then let's jump into it. we got 20 things we want to give you goo knowledge. Let's actually just move up to number one on our list and use Twitter as a resource yeah. for fantasy football things, beat writers, you know, major syndication guys, guys who write for papers. Got, you know, some big-time bloggers out there. They will break news to you. Follow the Ian Rappaports, the Adam Schefters of the world. SI's is great. ESPN's great. NFL's is great. Roto-Wire, Roto-World. All of them are good. It's just like, I knew it the second that trade happened today. I knew it. It was like, just all of a sudden, just right in front of me. I'm like, oh my god, this is true? Looking around, you're just like, damn. Twitter's ridiculous. And, and the trade we're talking about is 
The Browns trading out of the number two spot, which is one of the worst kept secrets that they didn't want to be there, but they still got a haul out, out of uh, Philly for it. Basically, just a quick rundown. They got 877, 100, um, a 2016 first round pick, and a tw- uh, 2017 first round pick and a 2018 second round pick. Crazy. So they got quite the haul. That might even be better than what the, uh, the the Rams had to pay up. But here's another way to look at this. It's not just 88, 77, 100, uh, 27 first and a 2018 second. Remember, they, they've had all these deals. They traded 13, Byron Maxwell and Kiko Alonso for that eighth pick. And they also traded DeMarco Murray, and they're picking the fourth round for that number 100 pick. So if you just think about it as a whole, it's DeMarco Murray, Kiko Alonso, Byron Maxwell, a first, um, the 77th pick, and a first next year, and a second the year after that. Yeah, two firsts. <laughs> so that's quite, quite, quite the haul there. For one pick. Yeah, for one pick. And they don't even know who it is because no one knows who the guys that just traded up in the number one spot are taking. Are they taking Wentz? Are they taking Goff? They're just like, oh, we're comfortable with either. Seems crazy to me. They better be damn confident that they're taking Goff because you know who they're coveting. So uh, if if they made a trade like that without actually not knowing... I agree. I think they think Wentz is going to be there at the two. Yeah. Yep. But if, if that blows up in their face, not a good time. Uh, we'll see. We're fired up for the draft. God, I can't believe that's next week. That makes sense. Um, Actually, uh, uh, we're on the subject. Yeah. You put that up to number one, the whole yeah. thing with, with Twitter. Twitter. I'm not trying I think, to go I think that. that the biggest advantage that you get out of that. Um, is actually during the season. Right now, you know what, you're eventually going to hear about it. And you're not in the middle of the season. It's not going to make that much of a difference. But in season, if you are watching Twitter and there's other guys in your league that aren't, you're probably going to only be bidding against, let's say, something freaky happens um, and uh, somebody moves up to the starting spot simply because of an injury. You're going to know that, and other people aren't. Plain and simple. Even just the littlest injuries, they make a big difference. Maybe you'll only be bidding against four guys in your league as opposed to all ten. Yeah, I mean, the biggest example of that was probably last season, that midweek Mark Ingram injury, when it was suddenly, okay, who's in there for the Saints? Everybody assumed C.J. Spiller. If you follow, you know, the guys uh, in New Orleans, they're like, oh, they like Tim Hightower more for the spot. And Tim Hightower was a league winner for a lot of people. Oh, if I had picked him instead of Spiller, I would have won my league. Same thing happened with Charkandrick West. You know, when he emerged as the guy when everyone thought, you know, it was going to be Niall Davis, and he's the guy that ends up stepping in, and Spencer Ware on top of that. So, yeah, you need this in season. It is imperative to to keep the upper edge for for waiver wire and just even for, like, injuries, late-breaking news on Sunday morning, too. For me, exactly. That's what I was about to say. At the Bears game... It was an early game. Seattle's playing in the late afternoon. I have uh, Thomas Rawls. They didn't know whether you are going to get a Beast Mode playing or not. Beast Mode on Twitter. Out. Going on my app. Put in Rawls. Rawls friggin' dominates. It's, that's the kind of shit you can get on with Twitter. Uh, one quick Twitter story and then let's, um, you know, we can keep talking about Twitter because this is our topic. We're not, uh, But a great story is... Um, for the nation and just uh, freedom in general, but the, the time I realized the power of Twitter was the uh, was the Osama bin Laden 
uh, uh, shooting. When we got him, I was on Twitter, like, working, and in, like, in bed, and I was, all of a sudden, Twitter's blowing up, and you just keep your Twitter thing rolling, and, you, you know, some people are just locked in on that. I can't do that. I just, I, I kind of peep in every once in a while, and check out what's going on and, and respond to our, our fans whatnot. By the way, we are Pyromaniac, at Pyromaniac, which is at P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one AC. We're killing it there. But when I read that, I swear on my life that it wasn't on CNN, it wasn't on uh, any of these other networks, the news networks, for about nine hours before, after I had heard about it on Twitter. And I, was, I even was walking my dog, and my next door neighbor came. He's like, "What's going on, Eric?" I'm nothing. I'm like, "We got, we got Bin Laden." He's like, "What? What?" And he's actually a Navy guy. Uh, went to Northwestern. Wow. He's like, "What?" He's like, "Where'd you hear that?" I'm like, "Twitter." I'm like, "It's not on any of this, on any of the channels yet." I've, I've been trying to look. I'm just seeing what, how on to the top of the game Twitter is. Next time he saw me, he's like, "Dude, that Twitter thing, that's crazy, man. You knew that, <laughs> you knew that way before." So that just shows you how ahead of the game and how when you want instant breaking news, it's the best. Yeah, you also get little funny things like if you're looking for a little humor break. Uh, the NFL started their drug testing policy today. Coincidentally, on 420, and <laughs> the guy named Le'Veon Bell got a random sample drug test on mm. 420. Good luck with that. <laughs> I think that's a joke, because remember him on 401 on April Fool's? He was like, all right, guys, it's been a good run. You guys have been great fans. He was like basically alluding that he's retiring or some shit. Uh, yeah, I but mean, he, he's a jokester on Twitter. Today was the official start of the policy, so I wouldn't put it past the NFL to you know, test a guy on 420 with a prior sort of That's a good point. conviction was, to his name sure. with LeGarrette Blunt. <laughs> quickly, quickly, Twitter told us today, as well as everyone else, the Panthers, I'll let you guys talk about it quickly, but the Panthers rescinded their franchise tag on Josh Norman. Nor the Bates Motel uh, is going to be moving on to another team, and uh, that, is a, that is a big, big move. I mean, a guy that's arguably the best cover corner in the league, you're going to let him walk. They couldn't pay him. What do you guys think? What, did they, what does it do for Julio and some of those wide receivers in that division that we, he would lock in on? I mean, times? Mike Evans, Julio, you know, they, they, they're going to get a bump now. SOS is going to have to change a little bit. We first got to see where he lands, but none of those NFC South teams seem like uh, the greatest fit. You know, word is he likes California. So maybe, you know, the 49ers can get a play or the Rams can make another little big splash here. But that, that's the major question, but... Hey, you know, he wanted his money, he made his stance pretty clear, and they didn't want to hold out, so hey, we'll take your $14 million off the books, and sort of go from there. I like them Frank fried potatoes. He's going to go out to California, you know, if he wants to go play for San Francisco, or play for the Rams, then, you know, you're going from a team that was Super Bowl contention to... You want? I understand because you know football's back in LA. If you want to be out in LA and, and try to grab that limelight, but at the same time, uh, you know I think it's great news for all of the receivers in, in that division in, in the in the uh, NFC South. Uh, I, I just I just don't understand it because it's also one of those things that we've seen many times in the past when you get this guy who who becomes like a a cornerback high paid and then he goes to a bad team. How does that ever work out? Or, but he could, this is the kind of guy where the, the Patriots could come in and be like, we'll give you a shitload of money this year. One and year. you just one year. You're yeah. on Revis from two years ago. Let's just give it to you and he'll be like, okay, I can take a Super Bowl and learn a lot from him. So it's not guaranteed that he goes and takes the money. Yeah. But this is a guy that 
wasn't he undrafted or a low draft guy? He wasn't. No, he wasn't. Fifth even, round, three round, round, yeah. even three years ago, he was a nobody. So he came on the scene hardcore on a great season. They almost won 17 games. Who's to know? If you sign that guy to $100 million, are you, are you guaranteed that you got the best cornerback in the league? Remember what happened with Prince Amanagura or whatever? The guy from... Uh, the, whatever. How, the guy how about the guy that won the... Non-Diasimo. Yeah, how, how about the guy that won the uh, MVP in the, uh, in the Super Bowl and Giants. then uh, went to the Raiders uh, with Larry Brown mm-hmm. or whatever was absolutely atrocious? Oh, yeah. Just absolutely atrocious. For, uh, are you talking about the interceptions or, or well, something? He, had the MV- he was the MVP he was the, MVP the Super, Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah. 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 So. I mean, that's... Uh, I mean, that was true. That was his but, only game. <laughs> uh, in Norman's defense, after having a year like he had and the way that everybody's talking about him, I'd be doing the same thing. You know, I, you know, I, I don't know if I'd just go to a bad team for no reason, but you got to be going there for a lot of money. I think that he should capitalize it because, I mean, you get one chance at a huge contract. I think it's a great thing for Norman. It's a, wherever he goes, I mean, there's a very low chance that he goes back to that division, the NFC South. So... Obviously, like we were talking about, you know, Julio goes way up, and then Evans. I mean, that's two extra games that you're not going up against. Possibly, maybe the best corner in the league. But uh, the fact is that you got to wait and see exactly where he goes to determine exactly who gets the big bumps and who doesn't. I like this from a Riverboat Ron and a team standpoint. If obviously they didn't think they could work out a deal with their agent and the player who had been, been made some boneheaded plays and done some stuff with uh, with uh, Beckham and all that stuff, he's kind of a little bit of a loose cannon sometimes. Where you're kind of saying, "Hey, this team's great. There's not one any, one big one player that's bigger than our team." And who knows? You're losing the talent, but it also sometimes in the locker room. It just even with the Cleveland Browns, as shitty as they are, everyone's like, "Man, the energy around here is awesome. No one has to worry about fucking Johnny." football. No one has to worry about this, that, or the other thing. So, I think that's big, big stuff. Maybe not in fantasy football, but in real NFL. Um, Alright, last thing we'll say about Twitter, and it was kind of mentioned, but beat writers. Go and get find people that have the list of the awesome, awesome minutia guys. The guys that are at these practices. They're at training camp. They're at the off-season workouts. They're right there. It's really important. So, go to that. the blogs that are really close and directly tied to um, the teams and, and follow those people because they know best. All right, we got one in the can, 19 to go. Let's get into number two in our 20 ways to win your league in 2016. And this one is uh, figure out your stance on running back versus wide receiver and the important, importance of the position. What's your approach on that position? Which one do you like? Now, you'll see a later one point that we have is about, hey, don't go in with any certain, you know, we're telling you a couple reasons, I don't want to give them away, but don't go in with a preset, you know, knowledge of who you're drafting and what you're doing. But you should know kind of where you value, who you value more and where you think and what rounds you kind of might be leaning towards the running back versus the wide receiver. It is obviously a polarizing approach. A lot of a lot of people out there are still like because there's not enough running backs, you got to really focus and, and and put put all your cards on them and go early on them. Then there's other people that have gotten busted by that and know the, the value of the wide receiver in today's fantasy football game. So I'll shut up and let you guys talk about it. We talk about it ad nauseum. We're going to keep talking about it on many many shows. So this is one where we don't have to go too nuts on it, but I think it's a it's an important thing to know where you lie if you think you need to be a wide receiver guy and, and risk it for running backs later, or maybe go high on the running backs and think you can pull wide receivers out well, of your buns. I, I agree. I, you know, it's it's definitely polarizing. I, the way I'm looking at it now is I definitely am a guy who is leaning more toward wide receivers, but as you said, you can't go into it with any predetermined 
long-term notion. But if I look at the first five rounds, I can almost have kind of a predetermined idea of what I want to have look my team looking like. So in, in the for first sure. round, for in sure. the first round, I'm definitely going to go best player available. So whether that is one of those top running backs or if it's it's uh, you know one of the wide receivers, I'm going there. After that, when I'm coming back in the second round, no matter what, I pretty much feel like I want to grab one of those next wide receivers. Because after we talked about wide receivers on that podcast, knowing how much better that top 10, 11 wide receivers are than what you're getting in the next section 10 wide receivers, I'd want to be able to pull out of there. And I'm not concerned about having, I don't need to, the most I would have is two running backs out of my first five rounds. But I'm even fine going one running back with four wide receivers and then focusing on running back after that because there's going to be a bunch of gems that I'm going to be able to find. And if I'm taking pot shots at that point in time where I've already covered my wide receivers and, you know, depending on what type of league I'm in, but with three in the, in the first, uh, in potentially four in the first f- five rounds, I now have a flex covered. I have my bye week replacement covered. Now I can just take chances on running backs. Well, I, I, I got to tell you, um, here's the thing about running backs. They are the least dependable in the league nowadays. They, the absolute least dependable. Uh, wide receivers, you can go 15 deep, and you know you're going to get 16, 15 games out of them. And I'm talking not just injuries, but in terms of points as well. But if, if you're talking about uh, those who score the most points, it's still wide receivers at this point. There's no reason to be going running back early unless you know it's a sure thing. There's so few sure things in the league, I wouldn't even bother with it. Uh, when you look at the top 10 of, uh, of running backs last year, I would say that there are three, maybe, that people really thought would have been there. Three out of 10. Most, it, it, most are either down the bottom of the list because they were injured or just didn't perform to what you thought they would. Or they just missed a few games, and even a few games can make the difference in your league. So you want to go to the sure thing, if you ask me. Maybe you take one sure thing if you have a chance at a sure thing with a running back in that first or second round if you get it. But in general, I think you just have to go wide receivers at this point. Or even like the best quarterback, something that's very dependable there, or tight end. I just don't see that running back compares to either of those positions at this point. I think it's a foregone conclusion that there's going to be at least... Five guys that you would never have thought would have been in the top ten that end up in the top ten. That's half. That's insane these days. It used to be nine out of ten you knew it would be there. Now it's half. You might as well take chances later and uh, go with the wide receivers first. That's my. Uh, that's the way I approach it. Uh, that has some merits, but then there's also the drawbacks that everybody seems to be switching their, their tune. Everybody wants the wide receivers early. And then you're getting a round one with, you know, if you're in a 12-team league, eight wide receivers are off the board in round one. You know, three three wide, three running backs and one tight end. And you're like, oh, well, now I'm choosing between a, you know, tier three wide receiver or a tier two running back to where the value almost switches a little bit. Not even so, a tier two in some cases. I mean, there's some, yeah. if you're saying eight wide receivers are gone, then that means... You know, Le'Veon is, still, is probably one of those guys that's gone. Uh, Gurley's one of those guys that's gone. Who who else is, who's the third Adrian one? Adrian Peterson. Peterson. And then you got question marks. Yeah. The, then you get, the you know, David Johnson. You get Jamal Charles coming off an ACL injury. You get a regression candidate in Devonta Freeman. You get a free agent in Lamar Miller who just changed teams. You get a guy behind an awful old line in Seattle and Thomas Rawls. You get, you know, Doug Martin who, you know, Two seasons of shit play. Just got paid. Two seasons of great play and got paid. And, you know, who knows? You get Fat Eddie Lacy. Uh, you know, 
15 to 18 pounds skinnier potentially. And then, you know, a little bit later, you're getting guys like, you know, Mark Ingram, who's coming off another injury, who doesn't seem to play 16 16 games in a year, Um, Forte, who's changing teams, DeMarco Murray on another team. All right, all right, all right. No, (laughs) ma'am. Go ahead again. No, (laughs) ma'am. One thing I think about is, and again, I I like your your approach to this, Houdini. Best talent available. It doesn't mean I'm not leaning a little bit towards if it's a, if it's if it's even Steven in my mind. I'm probably going to go with the wide receiver and roll the dice a little bit, um, unless there's just a huge upside guy like a Johnson. I, I do like Rawls, um, but when we were doing that podcast last week, and if you haven't listened to it, check it out. It's fantasy football. Uh, it was show 222, and it was us doing uh, whip, wide receiver whiplash. And when we were talking about the ADP continually about those guys, I don't know if it was only me or you were feeling my pain as well, but it was like, that dude is a third rounder. That guy's a fourth rounder. Oh, my God. It's like the wide receiver as a whole is really moving up to the front of the classroom where when you used to be able to get in the five, six, seven rounds, some of these real, these really kind of studly, could be amazing, could be sleeper, but it, it, it wasn't great or terrible. You were still going to have an all right season from them regardless. These guys are too high for me now. So, I don't know. It's going to be tough. I, I, I like the approach. It's, it's, it's to take the best guy available in the first round. And then I think I'm hitting some wide receivers for a while. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a bunch of wide receivers. I'm not scared to go quarterback a little early um, and, or tight end. But uh, get, get it, I want to get the wide receivers out of the way a little bit. Because those guys are, you, you know, like Dog says, they're going to, if you can get three pretty dope wide receivers, more or less other than bye weeks, and, you know, they, they do get injured, but you're sitting pretty that you kind of know a good good squad of your lineup each week. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And I, I think one of the main things, especially in today's day and age, with the enormity of uh, defensive players, you just, you just know that running backs are getting injured. That's just the way it is. I mean, it, and if they're not getting injured, they're, they're doing something stopped. off. They're doing something off the field, yeah, which has just, happened a lot lately too. Peterson, uh, Le'Veon Bell, whatever McCoy is a possibility this year. Who knows? But here's the change, right? Because now they're not looking for. No one's ever looking for a workhorse running back anymore. So you're not building the old 235 pound running back. You know, who's going to be able just to, to go through the line three yards in a cloud of dust. We'll just give them the ball 30, 35 times a game. Now they're looking for specialty guys. So are you my wing outside guy? Are you my, are you my, you're my inside runner? So the running backs are also so limited in, in what the scope of how many touches they're getting now and into a place where now passing has become more prevalent. Than and, and, and that's exactly why I would want at least one, like, sure thing. If I can get that sure thing in the first round, I, I don't have a problem taking it. Because I think that there's more sure things when it comes to wide receivers and more guys that are actually could outperform. You just got to do some studying to know which ones can outperform uh, what they might be IDP level as like a, a third wide receiver. Get the guy that you you know by studying is going to be a, end up being a, a, somebody who could be your wide receiver too, or maybe even a wide receiver one. Yeah, um, just just looking at it, those workhorse backs then become even more valuable. True. The, those guys, like the Le'Veons, like the APs, you know, those guys are super valuable because they're going to get you know touches. Because even even if you know Antonio Brown averages ten catches a game next season, most running backs are still going to out touch him on a weekly basis. You know, 
That that's just the fact of it. Yeah, he's going to average closer to 15 yards. Yeah, yeah but there's, there's 15 yards a touch a catch versus 4.5 yards a carry. You know, oh, no so. doubt. I, I'm not discounting that, but you know, steady production comes from getting touches, getting opportunities, and currently there's 27 wide receivers being drafted in the first five rounds. Well, I think <laughs> that's crazy, dude. But the other thing is that you look at the way that the NFL is now. Teams, when they get ahead, they don't just sit there and, and rely on the running game like they used to. Yeah. So you don't even you're not even guaranteeing. What happens is for a lot of these running backs, you end up they end up playing themselves out of every game because they get to these like Lamar Miller. How many times have we see it? He's getting all these touches in the first half, and then he gets like four touches in the second half. You know, it's frustrating. Because, that was but, just bad coaching. <laughs> well, that may be, but at the same time, there's a lot, not as many consistency that you're seeing across the league because teams are always uh, relying more so on the passing game. And so it, it's more about putting up points than it is about we're going to grind the clock for this an eight-minute drive. You don't see that unless it's with short passing by San Diego. Yeah. I know you're a best take-the-best guy available in, in every round pretty much, but... Uh, if, if it sounds like the three of us, then we'll move on to the next point. The three of us kind of are are leaning towards wide receiver and agree that the best, if you, best, you know, taking a running back. For sure. But are you are are you think are you trying to almost no matter what feel? Are you are you, you think you come out of the first round? You think you're coming out with a, a running back? Not the first round, but maybe the first two. I just feel like I have to have balance going in because then because then if I want to go receiver receiver in the third and fourth, where I like the value more. Um, where if I can get to Marius Thomas and you know T.Y. Hilton, uh, I'm set, and I feel like I've got potentially three ones or three top 15 guys. Uh, I like that a little bit more than maybe having three top 12 guys and then a who knows what at running back, a top 20 guy maybe. You know that's the hope. Yeah. Just just I, I like getting a running back like with the. Within the first three picks, like I won't go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> I, I understand. Like for me, I'm, I'm over the fear of it. After just a, a final point on it, after years and years of playing, and all these times, that, you know, going running back, running back for for every year for the first like yeah, ten years of, of, of the league, um, to then dabbling here or there. There's always so many busts. So. You know, why do I need to be running and being, i got to get one of these running backs? I'm not going to have the fear anymore because last year I drafted C.J. Anderson in the second round. How did that one work out for me? In the, for the first. You could have drafted Randall Cobb, though. Didn't you draft C. Randall C. in the first round? I mean, uh, C.J. Anderson in the first round? Julio Jones. Uh, was that Mo? Mo Pyramidic no. Mo was had was a C.J. in the first round. Yeah, I had him in the second. I had uh, Antonio Brown in the first. Yeah. Well, I usually like busts. I mean, droopy ones, big ones, areolas, small little ones, but not in fantasy football. So <laughs> let's move on to number point number three, and that's tears. Uh, work them to the bone. We we're huge pushers of and kind of the pioneers of of, of tears in general. Uh, Working with the bone, man. We've are, I'm on my ver- we're all on our version two. I'm actually on my version three, three of them. Three. Yeah, Me we're too. all on our version three, and then. We're just kind of refining them, and this is version three, and it's friggin' eight, uh, 420, and we're gonna have a lot more versions of them done before the. All right, Dan. <laughs> before the season's done, so let's quickly talk about it. We talk about them on on videos and shows. So we don't need to go too much into tears, but uh, for the novices and whatnot. You know, we just believe to the bone that all you need to do, you don't need to be going online and doing last minute uh, research and stuff during your draft. Put the time in beforehand. You come in with one sheet that has your tiers on it. 
uh, preferably an 11 by 17 to get the better view and landscape of them. That's all you need. Do the work beforehand. Go to your draft with one friggin' sheet. Be circling the guys you draft and crossing off the guys other people do. Have a computer to see the draft board and all that good stuff and who people are taking in front of and around you. Dogmatica likes to have, write down his list of all the things that people, teams that are going. And that's, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I'm looking over shoulders and doing that all the time. But talk about tiers quickly, why you love them. But just get these, get, get our users. If you're not doing just a tier sheet on draft day, you're not fully realizing the pyro experience. I, I think that, I mean, one of the best things that happens out of having your tiers there. Um, yes, it's great to have it as the only thing. You don't have to be searching through a million different things. But I'll tell you, one of the worst feelings on draft day is when you're contemplating between a couple, few people, and you wait till the last second of you've got five minutes to pick or two minutes to pick or one minute to pick, however quick it is, uh, however quick your draft is, and you make the, the wrong pick. You go into the next round feeling bad. You have bad karma. All of a sudden, you're second-guessing everything you're doing. It just makes the draft terrible. When you have tears, that honestly, to me, never happens. When you just have your tiers there set in stone, you've been scouring over everything, and you have them exactly where you want it, there's no, like, sitting there to the last second saying, do I do this, do I do that? No, you've already done it. It's right there in front of you. I don't have to go through a thousand things to try and figure it out. It's just one sheet. Use it or lose it. I, I, I want to I jump on your point there because as a commissioner of a league that I've been doing a live draft for for 20 years, basically... It's every year it's the same people. <laughs> I'm like, how is it so hard to know your pick is coming up? There are three picks away from your pick. Have four players that you're choosing from. So no matter what, you are ready to go. To get one of them. And, at least. But, and, and this is where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to illustrate your, what you're saying is because these guys are sitting there flipping through. This page, that page, looking through like somebody else. Wait, wait, let me pull this guy up in the computer. Wait, let me let me look this guy up. They haven't thought it through. When you do are using the tiers, you've already done all the whole thought process beforehand. So it's all laid out there. You're, you're seeing it on a, on a on a very graphic level, and just going, oh, okay, this is moving parts. Okay, I'm, I'm climbing guys that are at the top of the ladder, and the advantage you have over those players that I'm talking about and those guys in my draft. There's one guy that that sometimes gets some some hits in there, but these other two guys are always always bottom feeders. Yep. The thing is, like, why are you going on to ESPN.com and looking up somebody's stats from last season during a draft? Like, why Why are you doing this? Like, well, what's Fantasy, this? Fantasy <laughs> pros and using their, like, versus simulator were like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about two guys. Let me look at this. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, let me th- see what Dogmatic ranks these two guys as. Uh, not that that's a bad idea. I'm not ripping on that, but, uh, uh, let me see what the guy over at Fantasy Football. I mean, just if you're doing that in real time, that's just uh, that's just insane. It plus, is. plus, with Waste. tiers, they're a moving target. So you know, we hear things today. You know, you know, potentially, you know, Ryan Matthews probably going to stay pretty consistent in your tiers when the Eagles just traded the rest of their draft <laughs> to get Carson Wentz. So now you don't have to move the guy. Like, you're, every move that's being made, you're tinkering. You're thinking about how the situation does it. And it's just providing an overall football landscape in your head that ends up on a sheet of paper that you can just make moves with. And, you know, 
when you're talking about these wide receivers versus running backs like we just were, you're you know portraying that value on a single sheet. So maybe you guys should have seven wide receivers in tier one and you know three in tier one. That's sort of if that's your draft strategy going in, you know keep it flowing. You know if that's your strategy going. You think those guys are first round? You know, people do their tiers differently. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's tier- no right way to do it. it, it as just, long as they work for your mindset, that's it. Because every this is the one, best part about it. There is no set standard. The standard is though. The one standard is a tier break should be a definition of some sort of a break of of, of significance. Otherwise, they're in the same tier. And also, sort of picking back the the real one thing that's significant and across all platforms is they're yours. Yeah. You have made them to your standards, and that's kind of one of our. That's kind of uh, alluding to something we talk about later on. That's a, that's a later point. And again, also, there's a couple points that you're going to hear us talk about here that include tiers and include tiers are just a big thing. So we're gonna, we're not done talking about tiers on the show at all. There's a number of things that are points that are going to help you win that tiers are still involved. There are overlapping symptoms and and causalities to all these things. Especially when you have a few foul birdies. I hit him too good whack with it. That second one, it flung near cut his head in two. Foul But I'll bet you the good Lord wouldn't send nobody like you to Hades. D-Rex over there looking like he's drinking a Jolly Rancher. Does. <laughs> Extra, I'll, let's just mention it. I'm drinking a Surly Brewing Company. Uh, extra Citra Pale Ale. Uh, I gotta be honest. It's okay. <laughs> Fresh beer, drinking now. Surly is big. Got a big underground following. People love them. They're not my. They're not my favorite brewery. So not to knock on them. It's a good beer. It's all right. People love it. Love it. But um, I don't know. I haven't found one that I love from this company. What are you drinking, buddy? Well, I'm very happy. I'm, I'm not displeased with my beer choice at all. Dogfish Head 90 Minute Imperial IPA. Good one. It's a good one. Beauty. Dog, what are you rolling? Oh, I'm uh, I'm, I'm changing it up today. I'm going old style. Old style. <laughs> and Stag Party's got a, 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 a number of PBR. Dogmatica's Propels, Monsters. Dogmatica's got he could turn back time to the good old days <laughs> with his with his old school brew. Well, it's better than the it's better than the Silver Bullet when he's. If I could turn back time, oh which is sung by Cher. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hit up number three, or number four, yeah, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, let's uh, do it. Basically, SOS. Ways to use it, you know, using it for shaping your tiers, you know, deciding between different guys. And, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, when I make my tiers, there's so many different points that go into making them. And thinking about what they have on the docket for next year is one. Because they don't play the same schedule they played last year. They, they're not going to score the same amount of points they scored last year. How are they going to you know, sort of be adjusted from year to year playing against a tougher you know, NFC West rather than playing the NFC East last season? And those things are going to have a little bit of significant impact. You know, let, let, me, let me just jump in before you, Doug, because Go this is your baby, so I want to be able to get my, my couple cents in about what I've learned from okay. uh, what, what the, the strength of schedule does. You know, especially when I get questions all the time in season, right? And people are asking you, who are you going to start? Who are you playing this? 
you know, how could you have this guy ranked here? How can you have this? And then you start going through the, the litany of, well, look, this is the defense that he's going against. This defense hasn't allowed a receiver over 80 yards in the past 17 weeks. This, this, uh, he's played against this defense uh, in the last, you know, tw- two times a year over the last six, five years, and he's never had a game of more than 75 yards. Why do you think that all of a sudden, you know, the, the sky is now orange? And the, the thing that, that is so... 420. Could be. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's why some people have really bad drafts. But you, you're sitting there when you're, when you're doing your draft, the strength of schedule aspect of it is, look, this is that same thing. It's saying that this player's matchups are going to be tougher throughout the entire season than, than this player. So when you're looking at them, and again, you know that's the problem. You may have a top-tier wide receiver who would normally be a top-five guy, but there's going to be six, seven weeks out of the year that he's going to be somewhere between 6 and 15, and maybe even lower, and that's because of these matchups. And those are the weeks where it's – that's why you have to build a complete fantasy team, and you don't want to be – let's say you grabbed all a team of the, of the worst strength of schedule heading into the year. The odds of you having a good year, you put yourself behind an eight ball. Because look at, like, you know, when we, when we saw uh, the, it's basically almost every year so far, you play against the AFC South, you're going to have a good time. Absolutely. So this is, the, this is the NFC North matches up against the AFC South, and I'm not sure what the AFC division is that they match up with. But those players now have an additional four games. So a quarter of their actual schedule Depending on where it falls, it could be a quarter of your fantasy schedule. Or actually, actually, both, actually, both Souths they play. I think NFC and AFC South. You sure? NFC East. Yeah, I mean that. that, that oh, that's right. NFC because East. we have the Cowboys. That's we've right. We've got that's the right. Eagles. We've got everybody there. It, it's it's shaping up pretty good for the uh, uh, NFC North in terms of what their Big matchups time. are. Absolutely. Um, that's something you could look at. Um, but one thing I like to mention with SOS is I really don't pay attention to the middle teams. I pay attention to the top tens, and I pay attention to the bottom tens. Yeah. You know, if you're going to sit there and knick-knack so much that it's it's a big deal for you, it's like 16 versus 17, like, yeah. that's, that, that's not something I'm going to debate over. It's such a small difference to where it doesn't make a factor. And plus, you know, teams are making moves at all times, you know. Injuries happen. Things like that happen. But the teams that are really good tend to be really good. The teams that are really bad, you know, are really bad year to year. There's some guys that jump a little bit, but when you're playing the extremes at each position, you know what's coming. When you say and when you say extremes, it's the top top ten ish teams out of thirty two, uh, and their strength of schedule being very favorable based on dogs uh, formula and strategy. Those those count, you know. And then the long tail, the ones at the bottom, it's a little bit. Uh, if their strength of schedule is terrible, you can kind of take that to to the bank. I'm more top eight and bottom eight. Okay, yeah. Yeah. You know, you I, I just want to say I I really like that approach, and so. Uh, well, before you do a, no, before but, you do a video, though, one thing. No, no, not a video. I mean, not a video. No, hold on, no. For 420, I just wanted to give him a. Jerry. 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 The one thing I liked is Garcia. on Twitter, yeah. to yeah. go back to our, our, our Twitter account a little bit and, and revisit that, is I saw the discussion that you had with Pat Dorman and who else was in that, late QB, or uh, I forget who the other guy was, that you guys were talking about how, hey, SOS. It's a lot relies on it. A lot of our listeners across the industry understand that it's an important thing. But you made that great point on it. It's kind of 
the top end guys and the bottom end. But anything could happen in the middle. Dog, before you kind of bounce in on this, the strength of schedule changed today. You yeah. know, with the, with the Norman being out, mm-hmm. that completely changes the strength of schedule. It makes a difference. Uh, for, for, for the Panthers, who had the what the best or second best defense. Yeah, and, and well, then you got to find out who else it affects. Because, I mean, t- these things do affect. Where does he go? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's... You know, three other teams that no longer have to play him twice a year. Or maybe. Now, he may very well come back to the division. You never know. Yeah. But if he goes to another division, that's a whole other three other teams that have to play him twice a year. I mean, you're talking about a lot of players. I mean, that's six teams, players that get fully affected one way or another. And that's a, that really is a, a big deal in today's day and age. One week to one week, it makes a big difference. If you like, like you were saying, Houdini, when you're talking about 16 versus 17, that's a... Who gives a shit? I mean, just go with your feel, whatever. There's other contributing factors. Uh, it was maybe a linger, whatever. We can get into that some other time. But really, when it comes to the top eight versus the bottom eight, those are the ones you want to look at. And week to week, I think, in season, that's the biggest deal with it. But making drafts, you don't want to draft everybody that's down in the bottom. Uh, you you, you got to look at that at least at some point. Because if you didn't look at that during a draft and all of a sudden you realize that, wow, uh, all my guys have like... Top 15 terrible schedules, or bottom 15 terrible schedules. That's just a terrible thing to learn. Like, after your draft, you got to be prepared. Also, with that, though, I really don't care for the top elite players in the league. I mean, it might make a slight difference of ranking a guy two or three. Yes. But if I'm getting Julio, and, yeah, he's got the 30th strike schedule, so it's tough for him this season, I don't give a crap because he's just... You know, very, he's so elite that it's going to make up for the shortcoming of a schedule like Antonio Brown last year. Although it may have been. And Julio against, against friggin' Norman. But well, it, actually, it, he only had five catches for 88 yards against Norman. In that second game, didn't that wasn't two against two? Norman. Right. Uh, but that's also the thing <laughs> where, where you're going to look at that also. Maybe that affects where you're setting up your tiers. If, if Julio has that bad rating, maybe, and, and Des Bryant's got a, a two. Yeah. Maybe you're going, oh, uh, going into it, you're like, I'm definitely going to go Julio Jones. Well, maybe not, you know. Well, so, we know who you're going with, you <laughs> big Desi. Hey, man, got to get it right one of the these years. word, the D yeah. word. <laughs> I'm dizzy for Des. What we're going to do next is we're going to talk about uh, the concept that we mentioned alluded a little bit to, and that's draft the best player available on draft day throughout rounds. All right, you know, there's so much talent across so many positions happening these days in fantasy football and in the NFL. You just can't get locked in. We were talking about wide receivers, talking about running backs. Quarterbacks can win you leagues. If you're in high point, I'm in a couple of leagues where it's just like quarterbacks score literally almost a couple hundred more points than a wide receiver does. And yet, there is a lot of talent there, so you probably should wait and get, you know, where it's a little closer at other positions. But damn, when you get that Peyton Manning season from three years ago, when you get that Tom Brady uh, first-year Moss Welker season, when you get that uh, Manning year that, uh, from ages ago, back when uh, back in like 2004 or five or something, he can win you your league. You know, you have that 50-touchdown moment, he can win your league. Granted, Take the best player at any moment. If that's a quarterback, amen. If that's a wide receiver, amen. If that's a tight end these days, amen. If it's your running back, be smart about that. Because if you do that, even if even if drafting your best quarterback in the ninth or 10th round, uh, and you've already got one, 
If that's the best player on your tiers and it's screaming, this guy, the drop-off at any other position, take him. Get ready to trade him. If you have the depth in case he gets your team through however many rounds, 14, 16, 24, if you're taking that, have that best draft pick mentality, you are going to walk out of your draft stocked. I will say I'll throw one small caveat yeah. into that. And again, it's know your league. Yep. Um, because if the, the point being for this is that when you get to quarterbacks, like I'm in a league where you need to have the quarterbacks that can throw over 300 yards because there's so many more points that you get in bonuses plus over 300. So guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, even the great year that he had, he did not score that many points in our league last year. So 250 and two every week. <laughs> right. So it was consistent, but you know, but that was also where it's like, I could be going best player available, but then it's like, it's coming to me. I have a pick here. Am I going to risk for a quarterback when there's really only like Eli Manning left? Um, you know, maybe it was a Carson Palmer cause he was falling last year and maybe, you know, one other guy you're like, Otherwise, I'm left with the the Colin Kaepernick's and the and the you know not going to give me any of the results that I need. So it's best player until I know. Don't go because I I did it one year and I, and I got screwed and it was on the position because you were talking about quarterbacks earlier who scored so many points and when I didn't have a guy that was a difference maker at all was Kaepernick a couple years ago. His high game was 35 and other guys are getting 65, 70 points from their quarterback. Watch out for that cliff. You might fall. Here's the thing. Um, the tiers that we make up are based on a basic scoring system. I would suggest, first and foremost, to, to obviously make your tiers based on whatever scoring system you do. Yeah. So you're not trying to, like, oh, okay, um, I actually have this guy down here, but he should maybe be up here in this type of scoring league, so I'm going to pick him down there. Whatever scoring league you're in, set those tiers up. So I, I don't think it's even a question. The best available, the best that you're looking at is always there in front of you, no matter what, because you've set it up towards whatever sort of rules you have in your league. I don't think that, that you should set up tiers for whatever type of league. If you have four different leagues and they're four different scoring systems. Four different sets of tiers. That's four, four different sets of tiers every time. So that's always best available no matter what you're looking at. Yeah. So I, I think that that's the way it goes. I absolutely agree. And and it's something that you can get lazy. And you, that's why it's kind of fun at this point. If you really, I, I, You're totally different. You like to have this variety of life. I'm trying to have my leagues kind of merge as much as possible. So I only have to have one one mindset. You know, it's like one's enough. One's tough, tough enough across three different leagues and, and drafts where... The closer like, these things are intertwined, the the, the less this little hamster uh, inside my brain has to run on the wheel, the better off I am. I disagree with that. you got to go the other way. Think about it as fantasy football lumosity. <laughs> so this is the way that you can you can uh, educate your brain through different fantasy football. Oh, uh, yeah, that website. i got a better way and a Screw more personal that. way to put it. Did you just jerk off to one Playboy? Well, that's a lot different. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, Believe me. but again, let's go. When I'm talking about women, I want them all. I want every different facet. I want to have every league ever known to man, except for the really, really large leagues. So uh, as long as we're on, yeah, a variety, let's go to old style. Bible says two men are not lay together. I think part of just drafting the best player available, it, it might seem weird in the first round or it might just come naturally to you, but it more just in the rounds, you know, five through ten. Just when you're looking, you know, don't try and fill out that roster too much. You don't have to have a tight end 
before you have you know your wide receiver four. You don't have to have a QB before your wide receiver four. You don't you know if the wide receiver is the best position there, and you know the drop off at tight end was already big enough to where you don't like the value. You know load up on another tight end. You know it comes naturally in the first couple rounds to draft the best player available. But then people later in drafts get the need to fill out their roster. And yes, that matters because you have to play players at their position. But if if it's just not there, it's not there. Don't put that square peg in a round hole. It just doesn't fit. I'll, I'll back you up on that because there have been many times where by doing that, let's say you stockpile, and so you, you, you don't draft a backup quarterback. You are don't draft a backup tight end maybe because you have like one of the top guys, and you're just drafting all these running backs and wide receivers. And guys that you were drafting as your maybe your fourth and fifth wide receiver, well, all of a sudden they end up becoming like the Allen Robinson of last year, and they just skyrocket up to the top of your list. And you have these other guys now of name value and whatever that you now have as trade value to get all those other assets in return, as opposed to well, I couldn't draft that Allen Robinson player in this round because. I had to have my backup quarterback, so it was so essential for me to grab Brian Tannehill. And I agree with you, but these days people are waiting for quarterbacks till really late, like the 8, 9, 10, and beyond zone. I'm not really a proponent of that. I don't want to be the first guy to get him, but I'm, I do kind of want to through the first six, seven rounds. I do kind of want to have my quarterback and my tight end in tow. I do. Because then I can be going best player available across two positions. I, and I, in tight end even, I'm willing to go high on a backup tight end. Not super high, but I want to have my quarterback and I want to have my tight end through that first six or seven rounds because then I only have to focus on two positions really. And if something in my... In my tears really bounces out like a backup quarterback or a backup tight end, then screw it. I'm going to take them best. But other than that, all I got to do is focus on two of my two of my uh, verticals, you know, in my tears. Well, see, I understand exactly what you're saying. I just look at it differently. I don't go through my first six rounds and need to have my quarterback. I go, I want to have, I am not having anywhere outside of the top eight quarterbacks. I'm getting one of those. So wherever it happens that it's falling in the draft that I have to draft one of these guys, that's the point where I'm going to take one. Sometimes I'm that way, and sometimes I vibe on a little bit, little bit. But I, I it doesn't matter. It's, it, but I agree. Sometimes I'm like, I want, I want to have one of these better. It's interesting. The quarterback position is going to be a make or breaker, even with all the talent and the depth we talked about. There's basically about 15 guys that I'm all right having on my team going into this well, year. I think about like a, what, what a steal a guy like Andrew Luck could potentially be, depending on uh, all the people that just are fearful of whatever happened last year, and then he maybe falls, and you're grabbing him maybe at the end of the second or early third round. I'm not sure where it is now. Yeah, fifth. Fifth round. No, he's fifth dropping, round dude. Fifth round. He's that's dropping. unbelievable. See, that's one of those ones where it's like you gotta buy on a I guy pretty like much that. I'm gonna have him on my team this year. Oh, I can't can't wait. I mean, if you can get him at that value, that's almost exactly the spot where Peyton Manning was when he blew up with Denver. Yeah, he was the fifth, sixth round pick that he yep. was going in all. He's coming drafts. off what a fused neck, right? Yeah, and he was the fifth. This guy had one <laughs> bad he year, the whole year, and he could run with the ball and do everything else. So yeah, okay, well, I, I buy it. Don't pass up talent, and I think we've kind of alluded to here that don't fall off the cliff. When you're looking at your tiers, look at that cliff. The tiers, sometimes you can't tell really how distinguished from the drop-off is from Tier 3 to Tier 4 in his position, but highlight that and maybe put more space in between it because uh, get that, get that drop-off and uh, it, it'll really help you and your depth and your team after draft. 
Whenever you take a notion to, I don't aim to put you out none. Thank you. Thank you. Dude. Take notion that's to it. That's take thing you've take done notion to it, my man. Okay, anything else to uh, say, uh, Dogmatics, on best player available draft? No. I, I, I think we're good on that one. Okay. Cool. I agree. Um, all right. One of the great things that kind of we worked on today, stag party uh, mostly, uh, myself a little bit, but we've, uh, we, we, we converged. We converted. We moved. We, um, uh, we, we've, we've, we've changed area codes for this Pyro podcast. Doesn't mean you're going to have to do anything, but we have left Buzzsprout, who has been our, our podcasting platform for, I'd say, the last three, maybe four years. We really joined them pretty, probably four years. We, they, we've been with well, them for a while. 770,000 listens, yeah. Well, you, 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 you got it today. We kind of, it's five, just short of 561 hours, right? Yeah. 506, we're like an hour short, 30 minutes short of 561 hours of podcasting together. Wow. <laughs> Can someone do the math on how many weeks that is of, of recording time? No. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but we moved over from Buzzsprout. It was a good ride. They started to get a little expensive, and I like what they've, they've done. They've been a great opportunity for us. And we're going to stick with them a little bit uh, because we've got so many of our players and our embedded stuff is happening through that. But we moved over to Blog Talk Radio, so you're going to start hearing ads on the show. Don't be pissed at us. We've given you forewarning of this for the past... Handful of months. We've given you 222 episodes of commercial-free music. It's very true. Commercial-free music. Other, yeah. <laughs> music. All right, Kiss FM. Yeah. Uh, Blog Talk Radio, thank you. Um, Jay Pod Vader has been helping us make the conversion. Uh, Stag Party, great work today. We're excited to go over there. It's going to change things a little bit. We're now in a different directory, uh, one that's with Pro Football Focus, and uh, they're going to help promote our show. And We're just excited. You know, it's, We work hard on the show. And we want to, um, you know, get the fruits of our efforts. And it's just always interesting. Today was a little bit stressful. I was talking with Stags, but I'm talking like, make sure this does not get fucked up. Because <laughs> if it does, then the last four years, five years, and our rank and our page and all. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, let's go to the next point. Um, and that is point number six. And that is going to be. By Pyro Pro. Well, this is kind of a dual Pyro promo type of dealio. Um, by Pyro Pro and by our Pyro uh, Fantasy Football Draft Kit. I'll f- first go to the draft kit because we just released number two, three, four days ago. And uh, great collective work from everyone here in this room as well as our other homies and, uh, and brethren uh, at Pyro. Uh, that helped us get to there. That's uh, French War Hero, Stiff, Stiff Kitties. That's Pyromaniac Mo. That's OC. That's Val Verde. That's um, PK Ripper. Ripper, my boy. Um, and th- thank you for all the all the help that you guys have done on that. That's been uh, been been just awesome. So version two is out. Buy it for twenty bucks. You get every version from now until the draft which we're basically releasing one every month. And then I think right before the season, we go at about uh, a couple weeks between our last two to get the last version and before that last weekend of drafts. But Stag Party, working hard on it. Dogmatica, working hard on it. What do you got? Tell me tell me what, what's different in this one and why people should pick it up. Uh, well, I was more going to say for version three, we sort of already talked about when it's going to be out. It's going to be at, out the middle of May. With all those NFL draft updates, you yeah, know, all, all those rookies will then have teams and landing spots, and we could talk about their fantasy impact. Pros I and mean, cons. We we could talk about 
it now a little bit, but we don't know where they're going to end up. And knowing who's going to be their quarterback is going to be a big difference for some of these receivers. Knowing who's going to be their offensive line is going to be a big difference for these running backs. I mean, we mentioned the quarterbacks, but we seem to know where they're going more than anybody else. Um, But still, you know, rookie quarterbacks don't have great fantasy impact. You know, rookie, you know, tight ends don't have great fantasy impact. So... We're looking at those, you know, running backs and wide receivers for the next one. They'll be flushed out, and you'll just have playoff SOS and week-by-week SOS and, you know, that little trend line of SOS to, you know, these are the holes where if you acquire a guy, you know, you sell low on a guy to pick him up, you know, and get him there, that's where he's going to start making you a value. Well, this is also the one thing I think that is so important about the draft kit, and I get I get so many people who who like to say, "Well, I'm just going to wait until the last version comes out, so I just have the fresh thing." That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I have to say, I'm sorry, it is dumb to, to do that because Prep this now. is where when you are getting our draft kit and you're getting this version, which coming out next will be version three, then you're going to get version four, then version five. You're also going to see how our mind share is changing and evolving with the season. What things are, are affecting our moods and, and the way that we're feeling about players and situations and coaches and, 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 and strength of schedule and all these different things. So if, if you are waiting until the very last minute to pick it up, yes, you're getting the freshest data, but you are not going to be fresh with the data. The way that you're going to be successful, as a as we tell you here all the time, that you know we don't want to just feed you a fish. We want to teach you how to fish and let you become the ultimate fisherman, the ultimate fantasy champion of your own. This is the way to do it. Just get this. You don't have to do any of the research. All you got to do is read it. Yeah. How many times are you sitting on the crapper during the day? You can just pull this thing up on your phone and you can just boop, 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 and go You're really painting a picture there for our audience. <laughs> hey, well, they, yeah. <laughs> they paint a picture down there when they're in there all the time. Anyways. Are those the dingleberries? When I'm on the crapper, I'm reading those Playboys, Doc. That's I'm what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> not nude, not nude. Right it's Spice Live, baby. I know, it's not nude. It's a little hipster show. It, it kind of freaked me out. I was at the 7 Eleven and I'm like, Wait a minute. The Playboy is not in a, in a cellophane behind the counter. It's actually like next to the GQ, GQ and the uh, and, and the uh, yeah. Um, well, I, I, I agree. I think the Pyro draft kit in this version, a lot, all every player's got pros and cons. So that's something that's uh, been matured from version one. Uh, we updated a bunch of the uh, player characters and Pyro characters and in uh, in, in for the running backs. We got the bye weeks, the information, the schedule came out. So now the bye weeks are in there. And then the same goes. It's just like every, you know how the NFL is. This this league is so amazing and, and, and there's so much always happening that we, each version just follows that. So pick that thing up. If you've had it before and you are waiting to buy it, like Houdini said later, it's a mistake because you're going to get the other ones anyways. If you haven't tried it and you've used other draft kits, just give it a shot. It's 20 bucks At this point, that's um, you know yeah, three Snicker, bu- Snicker bars and a six-pack. Uh, you might be able to get four old stuff. That, that sounds like dogs. Yeah, it's yeah, one, it's one pack of cigarettes. <laughs> it's one pack of cigarettes. Pretty much. <laughs> no sacrifice or nothing. I'm going to say one last thing on the subject, then we'll move on to the next one. I think that when it comes to something like this, a draft kit, where you get uh, continual updates and you get to you know, see, like you were saying, um, our, our collective mind share and the way that we move. Uh, throughout throughout an off season, I think the most important part that you have to focus on is the fact that it is your opinion. 
It's your opinion that you need to formulate. It's a microcosm of the problems in society today, to be quite honest. People don't form their own opinions and they just go uh, like sheep to, to basically what the biggest fossil fuel companies actually put forth and towards money towards the politicians. Uh-oh. I'm going to throw a, out some Greenpeace we've stuff. We've got a new political... Right, so. uh, the trolls are going to yeah. be attacking dog and not me now. I love Hold this. on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> we just mentioned that dog's Greenpeace thing also happened with him wearing a Bob Marley shirt all yeah. day. <laughs> Dude, it's a, it's, it's a holiday. It's all coming together. Blackhawks, Greenpeace, and uh, Zuckerberg's uh, sweatshirt. Gary. Hoodie. Yeah. Gary. 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 Jerry. It's Jerry. Yeah, I reckon. Mm-hmm. So, uh, basically what I'm saying in, in the end here is you got to formulate your own opinion. I mean, that's kind of what this is about. What the, f- what the fuck kind of fun is fantasy football if you don't have your own opinion? Why would you just want to follow what, follow what other people do? Listen, learn, but formulate your own opinion. That's and that's one of our points do. later, so you're not allowed to talk during it. <laughs> but I agree, man. And it's just like, isn't it more fun when you love... Well, I'll, I'll do that my part then later. But it's a huge thing in fantasy football for me to do what do that. And we'll talk about it in a little bit. Last thing, and I'll make it quick. This is uh, this is really quick. Pyro Pro, year-round year, year season, 40 bucks. Check it out. We're, there, we're, adding, we're adding a bunch of new features over the next uh, couple weeks. Actually, a great feature that we... Uh, Release this week for everyone, then I'll let Houdini talk and we'll stop promoting ourselves. But we've got to do it. Our site is now totally responsive. So when you look at it on your phone, when you look at it on your tablet, when you look at it on your computer, you get three different views. And that's really exciting for us. You got the hamburger with all the different stuff. So now we need to work on some of the speed a little bit, but still faster than we've ever been. But uh, we are now a responsive site, and that's that's exciting. So, amen to our developers. Been working hard with them, but we got a lot of cool things up our sleeve. Well, just because I would say we're, we're talking about all the preparation we put into the draft kit, but Pyro Pro, you are in league. There are so many things that you need. Maybe you you have the question: what, sh- which guy should I pick up? Second opinion. I, you know, there are just. You want to get all the rankings and see all, all of the uh, all of the write-ups so that there's a reason behind why you're feeling confident about someone. You go for validation. Boom. It's there. Here's the stats and the reasons why we're, we're, we're behind this guy. News feeds. Uh, following your players. The resource toolbox. The dashboard. I, admittedly, I've got to update uh, over the next week the resource toolbox and get it a little bit more mature and up to date. Uh, I got, I'm loading three things up there uh, between now and the weekend, and that is the positional uh, player positional um, top positional week excuse me for running back wide receiver and tight end it's up there for quarterbacks already up there all right enough about us let's move on to fantasy football that's what we're here listening for and we're going to move on to point number seven which is and it's it goes back again we'll talk about tiers within this it's the biggest thing to to help build your tiers throughout each version and throughout the season do Plenty of mock drafts. Look at ADP. Check out Stag Party's a huge ADP guy, and I'm always looking at him. What's the ADP on that guy? What's the ADP on that guy? And it's mind blowing because it's so it's so telling. It's like this guy goes then. Okay, wow, I like that. I hate it, or it's disgusting. There's no way he's gonna be on my team. Do plenty of mock drafts. Um, uh, and, and look at the ADP and find out where who who are the value guys. Who are the guys that are going higher than you would have thought? 
a bunch of resources for that now. There's only a few sites that allow you to do it. This early. This mm-hmm. early. MyFantasyLeague.com has a great one. Fantasy Draft Wizard also has a great one by Fantasy Pros. Uh, that one's real quick. You could do it in 10 minutes. You know, you could just, it'll uh, draft off the expert consensus. Uh, also, you know, Fantasy Football Calculator, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a few, but th- those are the three I really use. And you can even use My Fantasy League and do MFL 10s. If you're getting that itch, you want to play in a Fantasy Football League, you do a draft-only league, you know, that's best ball every week of the year, and you get a real sense of what experts and degenerates um, think. The junkies. These are the junkies. What they think about you know players, where they should be going, and that gives you an idea of how to sort of take that and bring it back to your friends. One one quick thing: when when Stag Party and I went to that fantasy football meetup uh, a few weeks ago, the first guy I met there came up to me hard, heavy. He was just like, "Yeah, well, I've only done like nine uh, MF." Uh, uh, MFL 10s. And MFL 10s. So I'm I'm probably not as much of a fantasy nut as everyone else here. I was like, you are a fantasy football nut. I'm like, I think Stag Party's done a couple, but I I haven't done any yet. But he was already rocking those 10s. And that is a great way along with um, with these mock drafts to really refine it, see what's going on. It's changing. You can't stick... Can't stick your tears based on what's happening now. That's why you got to keep refining them and peeling the onion back and getting back into them. But uh, it, 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 if you're doing that stuff now, your finger is on the pulse from now in April, end of April, all the way up until a draft. And you're not feeling like in your draft day when you're on that two-minute uh, clock or whatever that you this is your first time there. You've been doing it. It's kind of muscle memory. It's like piece of cake. It's second nature. I think the, the what I like about it is that you are definitely familiar with where guys are going because you're going against that consensus and everything in that regard. Where I the only one thing I worry about it is this: is that are you showing that you're just falling in love with a certain player and you're drafting him in almost every mock draft, you know, because you just have your favorites instead of the other thing. So, in a lot of regards, I appreciate doing a lot of mock drafts and I, and I do. But like I haven't done any yet. I don't want to do any until after the rookies come in. I don't want to do any. I like to do them once I get to see a preseason game from everybody. At least to get to see people on the field. And then I just start going mock crazy. Because then it's like, okay, I'm in basically into you know the last eight weeks before the season starts. You know, you, know, you can maybe start, well, so if I'm talking preseason, I'm really talking about five, five weeks out. Most of all my drafts, though, don't start until August 17th or later, so... I got a good breadth of I could do a mock draft, a couple mock drafts a day, uh, leading up to it to get a, bet, a great feel. I, I actually have a, a couple opinions on mock drafts, and these are my opinions, and you guys can agree or disagree. But I think that mock drafts are pretty much useless until you get to August, at least August. I think until then, it's all congestion. Everybody just thinking that this is going to happen, thinking this team is going to be this way, thinking this player is going to sign there, thinking they're not going to sign a rookie, thinking they're not going to draft this position, thinking somebody's not going to get hurt, thinking all of that sort of stuff. I don't think it actually really makes sense until you get to August. And if there's if the consensus is a start back in the early summer and goes all the way through August, I don't think that's a real consensus either. Right. I, I think that that is just... Taking a stockpile of crap and putting it with the good stuff and making uh, a decent bowl of cereals. Can I that ask, just let doesn't. Me, let me ask you a question, me. though, because 
I, I, I get what you're saying. But I do think it's almost like instead of looking for, you know, a positive predictive value, I think it's better to look for a negative predictive value in the sense of, don't you think, though, for the people who are doing it early and, and you look at their, their draft results and you sit here and go, ah, what, like, you know, that you picked a whole bunch of old guys. And it's like to, to maybe help you to identify what your negatives are. Say here's the, here's a fault you keep going and you keep going after this quarterback or whatever and you're left with garbage and, and the guys that you pick that you think are flyer guys are guys that were good five years ago. You yeah, know, uh, no, to figure I, I, out your yeah. fault. No, 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 no. That, that, and that's totally understandable. I think um, another point that kind of, kind of works into that's something that. Yeah, I mean, it's something we may even be talking about later. I'm sure we are. I keep uh, mixing <laughs> subjects here, but I'm going to throw this out there. It, it's all interwoven. It's, it's all, all interwoven. But I, you know what? That's a, what a lot of fantasy football is. It's kind of interwoven, so I might as well mention it anyway. I don't think that mock drafts actually work unless you know your league. If you don't know the other – it's not even just your league rules. I think you need to know your league rules, of course. But I think you need to know the other players in your league. Because when you talk about the word consensus, you're talking about – the guys who are the absolute best, who know what the fuck they're talking about, the absolute worst. If you got guys in your league that are all really pretty good, that consensus actually dips off in value because you're taking idiots who would say that, yeah, well, you, you should draft Jay Cutler in the fifth or whatever. I mean, but but the fact is, is that you got guys who are smart enough to know that that's just not going to work out that way. You know, that's the thing. It's you got to know your league. got to know who you guys, the guys that you're playing with. I agree. The mock, mock drafting is essentially like playing Madden against the computer. It's like playing, uh, it, 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 it's like figuring out how to play the computer one against the computer. Because I think, like you said, you don't know what the, you can change on some of these and get the rules more to your liking. But there is, there is a high and a low end of talent. And if there isn't, you just don't know what, what your other guy's going to do. I also think the last thing I'll mention about mocking is, is, is I, I feel like quarterbacks really do, even though they're saying luck is in the fifth. In actuality, I think you got to bump the quarterback position up a bit because that in mock drafts, that's like, and same happens on some of our mocks on these shows. For sure, people just hold out on the quarterback because they don't really need it because it's a mock. So quarterbacks are one of those things I think in mocks that you got to kind of inch them up a bit. It's not when real. Put, when it's not, put into it's not it, realistic. When yet. put to it, like on the spot, and you're like, man, I don't have a quarterback at this point. I got Andrew Luck sitting there at the end of the third or something, and the ADP's fifth. You're like. That looks pretty spicy right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's a very different thought in the actual moment. So what I do with Mox and with ADP is I'm not looking for exact spots. Like if he's going 36th overall, that means nothing to me. I care if I see him once go in the fourth, and then I see him once go in the end of the second, and then I see him again go in the third. You know, I build ranges and ranges of outcomes. You know, that allows me to sort of see people in those ranges. And if I want a guy, I know the range I am going to have to take him. I, so I don't consider, you know, ADP is never going to be a spot-on tool. It's different for your league, but it'll help you build ranges. and It'll help you build ideas and frameworks. Yep. It is not the end-all, be-all. Yep. Um, I, I'm going to roll this into the next point because Dog kind of did it with his statement saying... You got to know about your league. Dang, which is, dog, you did it. Well, which is which is the next point, which is Same do an ways. audit, do an so audit of your man. drafts, and and this is where I was I was pulling up here, which is great. Like if you're using any of these sites, um, 
you're on Yahoo, you're on CBS, you're on ESPN, and I got my CBS one pulled up here. I can go back and I can go year over year over year and see how everyone in my draft, in my league drafted, how I drafted. So you want to get that audit, you want to maybe take a, a quick snapshot of, of every player. How hard is it to sit here, you know, and you think about it, and these are the kind of things that, why do we do fantasy football? Because these are the types of things that we did in all of our leagues that made us become better than everybody in our leagues. Once I started becoming, you know, as a commissioner, once I had like, you know, these draft boards that they started giving us, and I'm like, you know, and they started recording these in, in the system, I just created a spreadsheet, right? Okay, round one, what did this guy do? How many times has he drafted a running back in the first round? How many times has this guy drafted a wide receiver? And you kind of get an, a better picture idea of, you know, what these guys in your league are. And the other thing is that I always do is go and look at who are the top three point-scoring teams, or top three, usually it's about top three, because those are the ones that are usually far and away. And go, okay, how did each of them draft? Well, and how did they draft where I drafted? Where did they zig where I zagged, and, and why did it pay off? And these are the types of questions, as long as I'm asking my, myself these things, I always make my next draft better. I'm not making the same mistake over and over and over and over again. you know, Because that's the thing that you see the poor players in fantasy continually make the same mistake as opposed to making new mistakes. You know, the Know Your League moniker that we come up with all the time and say all the time is super important. But it's also Know Your League uh, in a way against the current landscape of the NFL, of the actual league. So it's knowing your league's points. It's knowing your uh, the, the, the landscape of the fantasy and how those two intersect each other when you do these audits. And I think just in general, um, I'm the biggest proponent. I, I've... I haven't mock draft myself, but I've been auditing, and I post a couple things on Instagram. And when you're auditing and looking back at our league and the Pyro Pro League that we did with our fans, and looking at my other big league, it's like when you're doing that, that's that is just the best way to be like, oh, and it's painful. Let's be honest. Even even nine months ago, drafts, it is just you're like. What? The, but how be in the hell best ego check you could ever? Yeah, have. And, you, and it better be because if you're not willing to judge yourself harshly, yeah. then you will be. As I said, you're, you're going to continue to make those same mistakes. Valverde. Reckon you might make some biscuits. I think just going back in audits is you can get an idea of trends. You know, knowing your league also has to do with know your league mates. What do they do? Do they take two quarterbacks? Every year, because then, you know, if he takes two and I don't have one, but you know, that matters. Can I wait on a quarterback with him on the turn? Will he load up on, you know, seven wide receivers and only three running backs? You know, how can I take advantage of those little things of people around me? Have you guys ever seen a quick sidebar on Facebook, tagging mate? Like, tagging? Oh, my God. No. It's the most... My Irish buddies, off the boat Irish buddies. This shit... I, I think it's got to be Irish. It's ridiculous. The stuff <laughs> where... Tag a mate that does this. And it's just the most ridiculous stuff. And then they'll tag all their buddies. And oh, by, yeah, the end yes. of it, it, by the end of it, it's just like... There's like a million people tag. And it's like, tag a mate that is jerked off or... Well, cow tipping. <laughs> <laughs> tag a mate who would hit this. And it's Guilty the most, as jerked. And it's the most disgusting thing you've ever seen in streets of Walmart. <laughs> like my buddies are construction guys. It's like tag a mate that thinks that this is a day of work, and he's like totally passed out because he's hung over on a on a bunch of like uh, you know two by fours. 
<laughs> he would have had fun sometime. Let's Good hit time. that next one. Let's hit that. Uh, you know, next up we've got. You know, don't sleep on the tight end position. You know, the tight end position is one of those things that everybody has a different sort of feeling on. You could, you know, take one early like Gronk. You could take one in a couple middle rounds. You can get uh, Jordan Reeds or Greg Olson to the world. Or there's people like me who are more likely to wait. Try to grab one of an upside guy. Try to grab two upside guys. And that's just something, you know, depending on how you feel, you know, it make it your own. If you don't want to draft the tight end until the 14th, that's your prerogative. Yeah, I know. yeah no, I'm going to say something to that. Because Tag him eighth if it doesn't draft the tight end of the 14th round. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be a Tag him eight podcast. So here's what I'm going to say to that. Um, I've actually gone through the gamut of what to do with tight ends, and I've found out real quickly that one of the worst things you can do is to depend on taking just a couple, two or three uh, high upside tight ends super late. You can't wait too late. Um, a, a few years ago, a couple, few years ago, I went Dennis Pitta and Jordan Reed. Both had incredible upside. And both of them went straight down to injury, and I was left with nothing. Zero. Just a big I just tried, I tried to lineup. mix and match every single week, and it just doesn't work out. You want to get something at least that's at least somewhat consistent. Uh, for, that, that you know is going me. to yeah, that is going to be there. Those guys, Reed was not quite proven yet, and uh, Pitt had only done it for like a year or, or a year and a half at that point, and then he got injured. Obviously, the injury you can't predict the injury, but trying to go late on two upside guys is not a good idea. Get something consistent. I know you don't have to do it in the first couple rounds. Some people go with the Gronk or the Olsen or whatever. That's kind of your own choice. But don't wait and just try and uh, get a couple upside guys. It doesn't usually work out. I think and I, I agree with you 100%. I think there's the sweet spot, right? And the sweet spot for me is usually somewhere between tight end four and eight. And the reason why it's the sweet spot is, yeah, you, you know, we talk about all the, the turnover at, at the running back position in the top ten. Well, you get a lot of that turnover in the tight end position too. You know, Gronkowski is your exception to the rule. But if you're going to draft Gronkowski, you're going to overpay for him. So Gronkowski is a guy that I never have on any of my teams because I'm not going to spend a first round uh, or you know first round pickup. Go ahead, real quick. Can I tell you? I've never had Gronkowski on any team since he's been in the league. I've had him on. And that's, I, that, I'm not psyched about that, but it's it, it, to back up your point. I've never owned right. Rob Gronkowski. And this is the, this is the reason why. Now, now, here's the other part, too. So you have the guys this year who are the trending guys. Now, Olsen has become one of these guys, too. But Olsen now, because of that, is also getting almost... You're not getting him at any type of a value because you're drafting him, you know... In, fourth round. Fourth round. You know, and there are some... Is that a 10 or a 12 team? 12. 12. Wow, that's actually better than I thought. Yeah, it's better that, than I thought, too. You, you know, okay, at that point in time, you're getting fair market value to plus market value. That's not bad. You know, but but uh, it's where you're getting, like, these next guys that are all going right there in that range. I kind of want to wait until those until you got to those five, six, seven, you know, and then have your guy like Kelsey, who you took a shot on, uh, not Kelsey, um, uh, uh, Tyler Eifert, who we took the shot on last year, which is maybe like a guy like your guy this year, Eric Ebron Stags, you know, who you're, who you're waiting on there. But you want to draft one of those guys in that six, seven, eight range 
because you're going to get them in around 9 or 10, not have to super pay up for them and get quality. Yeah, some things that sort of go along with that is you could take the high upside guy like Ebron and you could pair him with the Jason Wittens of the world. You know, one of the things Dog said is mentioned, don't take two upside guys with very low floors. You know, draft a guy with a nice, even, you know, five, six point floor and then draft another guy with a bigger, you know, ceiling. You can sort of pair those guys. But with Gronk, the thing is, he does. He just doesn't score enough points on aggregate. Like he's right. not going to make up a top ten receiver. Like he's made top ten receiver once in his career, and that's when he had seventeen touchdowns. The only time I ever, ever had Gronk on my team was in this Pyro League. Actually, <laughs> uh, that, uh, I think it was two years ago, and everybody let him drop. Or maybe it was three years ago. Three. Everybody let him drop. So I eventually ended up getting him super late. Wasn't first. Wasn't even second round. That was the year I think it was coming off. Coming off the coming broken forearm. Yeah, the I, I got him like and, late, yeah. late. And so I was like, that that's the only time I've ever gotten crock on my team. And that was because it was obviously a value. Way late. Can I, okay, I, I have a new one. So we're, we're 420 plus one. Okay? Because the other thing is that I like to look at the guys that have a proven track record that are coming off of injury who are going to fall in, in drafts just because they were injured last year and people are afraid of it. I love those guys because those guys are always coming at a great value. And if the guy was giving you 1,400, 1,500-yard seasons before, and, and now they're, he would have been a first-round pick, but, oh, he's coming off the injury. i got to let him slide to the end of the third or the fourth round. I'm all over those guys just like a Valverde. I want to be baptized. I think the one you're talking about basically this year, I think Jordy Nelson's ADP is down there a little bit. Yeah, he's in the middle of the second round. Is he raised like how high he is? Oh, well, I didn't know well, he was On the tight end, guy, well, it's, I it's like, the Andrew Luck who's in the fourth round or those, whatever. That's you know. a good one. Tight end, I like. I like the the high the guy that you're going to be able to get super late at least now that could have that high ceiling, but pair him with someone else. In in my opinion, is going to be the dude on Oakland, uh, Walford. Um, let me, yeah, I like that guy. Let me uh, also say to end up this uh, this last point is, and you guys I know don't agree with me on this, but in the vein of take the best player available, I am not scared. And this is don't sleep on tight end position, but I'm. It also runs into this. I'm not scared to take draft kickers. I'm more so not scared to draft kickers than defenses, but. If you're if you want to build the team that you want to build that we'll talk about later, but if you feel like and you love a defense, the turnover and the points change a lot. It's, it's usually the guy the defense is that goes super high in like thirteenth round or even higher. They don't repeat what they do, but I'm not scared to take that kick. Gostinkowski seems to be on my team a lot, and I like to circle that first guy in the tier, top tier of the kickers. And when I compare to what he does year in and year out to who I could have taken in other positions, I like it. I'm not scared to go after the kicker and be the first guy there. I'm not. I do it all the time, and it's just, just sit back and you're like, this guy's going to score 13 points. We're also with that, though. We're not saying take the Seattle Seahawks defense in the fifth round like you've had to do the last couple of years. We're talking rounds 10 plus to you sort of go. Oh, absolutely. Go, yeah, yeah. go a couple rounds early. I would never take a kicker in the, within the top 10 rounds. I would never. I'm in deep, deep leagues, but I always. Most we go 24 like, wait till, rounds. Yeah, 24 rounds. I'm drafting him in like 20 and 21st. 
Well, see, I'm yeah. saying I, I, I understand jumping up more on a kicker than I do on a defense. Me too. Um, especially now with uh, with all the leagues now in my rules with missed extra points, with now the extra point being a 30-yard plus field goal, uh, that becomes something that it becomes much more important to have that guy that has that consistent leg. When it comes to defenses, I always feel like there's a value. I always feel like there's about... Three teams out there that have solid defenses that, for whatever reason, everybody else is going after like, these name teams that I look at how I have my, I go through like my defensive rankings, and I had, like, last year, in two leagues, I had the Denver Broncos. And in our league, I had the Carolina Panthers. In neither of those leagues did I take any of the top eight defenses. <laughs> I was picking after the top eight teams that picked defenses, and I'm picking up Carolina and Denver. Now... You're telling me after watching last year that's impossible. Going into last year, that's exactly what because no one knew who Josh Norman was. No, all the things that Denver came around and, and were doing, it was ridiculous. You were preaching Carolina hard last I year. I was, and I was and, right. And you were right, and I've never said that before. Right? Yes, <laughs> yes. It's on tape. Because it's we, on tape. Broken cherry. We, we drafted San Francisco over Carolina in one mm. of our in one of those expert in the, in the problem oh, expert uh, leagues. Oh. Roots. You know, defenses are weird. Carolina, you know, was a fantasy defense and actual defense are such different things. Yep. It is much easier to predict how good a defense is going to be, but it is much harder to predict how an actual fantasy defense will score. I, I agree. Because there's so, also special teams. Yes. There's also another thing to think about. Know your league and pickups, and we'll talk about waiver wire and pickups in a little bit, but there are... A lot of situations where even a team in your league has a good defense but is in a conundrum and needs to pick up a player because their bye week and injuries have really hit them. And they're so much more likely to drop a defense than any other position. And then all of a sudden, so pay attention to that waiver wire with defenses. Pay attention to that because that thing, you sit there and you're like, the di- and it happened to me in the league. I won the championship year. in week like 12 last year. He dropped the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Wabum! Mm-hmm. You want to know what defense was on more championship teams last year across the board? Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs. It's the same. They rolled to close out the season, and someone had to drop them because they're injury they're injury riddle, and they had to make pickups and other other You're, routes. That point is so important. It happens like last year when I had the Denver Broncos, I was like, oh, I'm looking for because I was like, I'm like, well, I. This team has been scoring me 14, 15 points a week. I am not dropping the Denver Broncos when the bye week comes up. So I was looking for a replacement defense to pick up. So we were talking like the Broncos had like a, a week six or seven bye week last year. And a team that had an early bye week that a team that, that, that people dropped, St. Louis Rams were on the board. And I'm like, so then I picked up St. Louis. And when I picked them up when Denver had their bye, I think St. Louis scored me like 18 points or something that week. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, I'm just going to roll with these two defenses. I'll just play the matchups the rest of the way. Yeah. And, until someone got desperate and lost a defense and didn't have one. And I was able to get a second-round dynasty draft pick this coming year for a defense. But you're, not, you don't, you're not taught and trained to look at waiver wire for defenses. and look. you at, got look, to. And, and to go back, let's just say, say one thing. No, you're like... Look at the way. Look at the way we're at. Look at people are dro- not way we're at. Look at people, the drops. Look at who are drops. Yes. People are dropping. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, that's one of the big things. Our, our next point is actually waiver wire in general. Yeah, uh, pay attention to waiver we're wire. So let's let's hit that up a little bit. There's things I want to talk about the waiver wire. It's so subjective because you know there's fab. You know there's rolling. 
rolling pickups. There's if you were the worst week last week, then you're the top spot. So everybody's a little bit different on the waiver wire. We're not going to talk about specific things, but let's just talk about the general strategies you should sort of take from that. And one of the main strategies is pay attention to everyone who's dropped every week yes. because you can get huge values there and just make you know some guys not performing well when they had a tough SOS for the first six weeks and then suddenly the skies part and the you know the sun's out and he just can go off. Those things happen. There are stretches of the season where guys are going to struggle because of you know their opponents. And when they get to nice schedules, that's when you want them. Um, picking up guys that have been dropped you know, you can get valuable, valuable players. Can I go above and beyond what you and piggyback on what you were saying with how guy? I think it's also the the human being nature where people take players high, three games in, the guy shit the bed, and they're just like, "F it," and we love you, Resendis, because we know you're a dominating fa- fantasy football player. But there's guys that just get pissed and they're like, "Screw that guy! I want him off my squad." On to the next one, and you know we know in our pyro league we got uh, we got our Watkins off of OC uh, because he was just like I had I had to get something else. But players get sick and pissed. Forget about and, that. Uh, How uh, many times uh, the players get... are like, I'm sick of this guy. He underperformed, and another person's garbage is uh, one person's garbage is another person's trash. I, I, I want to piggyback your piggyback because. How many times do we get the second opinion? I want to drop, uh, you know, Eddie Lacy or Sammy Watkins or or whoever these guys. And we're like going, there has got to be somebody else on your team worth dropping. I know you're pissed off at at, at what this guy has not done for you so far this year. But that does not mean that he is droppable. Benchable? Yes. And and that's the other thing, too. You get some of these guys that people maybe have in their head that they, they, they're just, I'm convinced this guy's going to have a good year, so I'm going to hold on to this bench spot, and he's doing nothing. Just burning a hole in your bench when that one is, is almost even better, just taking a dart throw each week and seeing if you can if you can get a hit. Re- reactionary, before you go, Doug, when you're piggybacking my piggyback, does that make us Master Blaster? Could be. Harder, Tom. What do you got? Now, who's, who's on top? Who's, who's the uh, who's the, the who's the brain and who's the brawn? I, I feel I'm like I was the first because he piggybacked on me, and then you're piggybacking on so me. I'm the, I'm the, ah, who runs border town? It's gonna be me. I like it. I feel, I feel like just turned on a, a boy's skinamax. What the fuck are you guys talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even know what the show, that the show is. Moved, yeah, thank God the show moved from Lincoln Park to Boys Town. But <laughs> uh, God bless them. Wow. Wait, each of their own. Bless no him. <laughs> Careful. There's more. no ma'am. Talk mm-hmm. more. We might get fired by ESPN like Kurt Schilling just did. He um, got the, fired? Finally. Yes. It, took, it took how many years God. for him to get fired? Yeah, he Good said God. So well, it took, it took one transgender comment, actually. <laughs> yeah, but he survived many other dumb comments. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I think that one of the biggest things that um, plays into the waiver wire is the word sleeper. And that's something you develop before the season. I think that sleepers will develop in certain weeks during the year. And it usually depends on who is at the position before that sleeper and how much they're being paid. Sometimes, if a guy's not being paid much or he's only on a one-year deal or something like that, it takes two weeks. Start looking for that sleeper to start before week three. Grab him early. And if it ends up being week four, fine. You got him two weeks early. Awesome. And there's another time, middle of the season. 
if somebody's being paid for uh, you know three or four years and he's completely underperforming, you look you start to look for him around week six or seven, and usually it'd be week eight that that guy will have the the guy who started was getting that much slack to do what he had to do. And then there's the late season sleeper, of course. So I, there's certain times in the season you got to look forward to those, and that's when the waiver wire should be your huge friend because that's when you can win leagues. Yeah, I mean. Just when I wrote waiver wire on this thing, I wrote weeks one to four and weeks ten plus. There seems that's when the waiver wire seems just giant hits. Let's talk about last magical. year. Magical. Like, like those points. Devonta Freeman, those are the points that, you know, magical things can happen. You can pick up Devonta Freeman. You can pick up other guys that just went to roles they weren't originally expected for, and then suddenly they hold those roles all season. Like and those roles. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was saying. <laughs> okay. I got slurs, apparently. Uh, <laughs> moving on, then later in the season, there's guys, you know, around week 10 in the NFL. Injuries start to take effect. You know, David Johnson, Tim Hightower, all these sort of guys that yeah. just, their players in front of them, it got beat up over 200 or so carries, and suddenly it's their time to shine. Here's the one thing I, that's important for me when I'm thinking of waiver wire. First, we got to give a, a props. We're going to talk about some of our content later. But Houdini's puts out the peak pickups piece every week. It's literally out at halftime of the Sunday Night Football in America. You guys know this. If you're on Pyromaniac.com and checking it out, no one's putting that piece out earlier than us. We're pretty much putting it out actually by like, 24 hours earlier. And that means the games at noon, and when there's early games in London, games in the afternoon, right after that, Houdini rocking them out, and we're getting them out. And then we're think, updating them afterwards. You can and, think the NFL and their horrible scheduling when they give you yeah. two or three games in the <laughs> afternoon. So I've spent the first three and a half it's or awesome. so hours absorbing all the information. It's awesome. Then I go outside and I do a little 420, and then I come back in and I say, I start going through, well, I'm, I got both two games up so I can watch them, and I just start going through researching every single box score of every game and and pulling out the information, finding out what, how much are these guys actually owned, who are going to be these guys, and not only just putting them out there for you, giving you a reason why they have a potential to be good in the coming weeks. I love the way you do it. And the important thing for us, and we've been talking about this since day one on this podcast, and even two years before we got heavily into it, and I think it's something that Dogmatica, me, and, and Charlie Don't Surf really kind of jumped in on and galvanized around, and that's Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Don't be the guy that picks up off the waiver wire after he fucking just had a 140-yard two-touchdown game. Everyone's got it. If you're not in the first slot in the claims, you're not going to get them. Look at guys that are banged up. Look at schedules. Rawls, perfect example last year. Look at what's happening around you and say, you know what? This might be a drop in two weeks. Might be a drop in three weeks. You know, sometimes you gotta you got to hold steady. But... Be smart. For get the guy two weeks before he's going to hit. Get the guy in, in a matchup or, or some sort of off the field situation that hasn't been resolved by a player, but he might be gone for a while in a couple. Drugs, set, all these things. Foreshadow. Get the pickup two weeks early, and you're a fucking stud. Here's another way to do it. You know, I don't. I've made the mistake in the past, and so I'm not a guy who's running after any rookies anymore. But all these rookies, these top rookies that ended up end up getting drafted in rounds, sometimes they're getting drafted in rounds 8, 10, even earlier in your drafts, they get dropped because they're doing nothing. But then comes week 6, 
Weeks, I don't know what it is, but once you get to week six, week six through ten is like, it's rookie shine time. And all these guys, they've been like either working on a practice squad, or maybe they just finally get called up, uh, you know, or been on a pup list or whatever the, whatever the damn reason is. Or now they finally understand the playbook and they're not a moron. Week six, and so you start to see all these rookies blossom. And there's so many times you're like, this guy held the rookie for five weeks. He just dropped him. Then I just picked him up, and now the guy's just a stud. The guy's like, can I name oh, two players that Please. I did that with last year in in a in rookie leagues? Where they dropped them after? Where I, no, that I did. No, no, where they dropped the guys and you picked no, them up. No, I he dropped. dropped. I was the dropper. Oh, he dropped no. the ball. Yeah, dropped oh, the ball. Ow. One was definitely um, uh, uh, shit. The dude on Baltimore. I can't believe it. Yeah, Buck. Yeah. Buck. 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 Love him. No one was higher on Buck going in the last season than me. I'm in rookie leagues. I got him in our league. I got dumped him. Two weeks later, he's dominating. I'm just like, why would you not have seen that going on? <laughs> and I, so I dumped him. You drafted I'm, him for a reason. Yeah. It's because you knew and that Forsett wasn't going to last very long. I was and promoted. then you dump him right before Forsett falls. So it's like, what, what the fuck did you draft him for? <laughs> Let's put it this way. It was a great night to drink. There you go. <laughs> Cheers. If there ever wasn't one. Cheers. Malmere Day. Go open a Malmere Day. They turned me loose in the nervous hospital. Said I was well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, do we have anything else we want to go through on that wire? I think that was pretty good. Yeah, let's hit number 11. Cool. Number 11 is going to be find resources that offer detailed information. Really detailed empirical data. And... Not just your ESPNs, and everyone's getting really good at this, but sites like Rotoviz, the uh, Reception Perception, who's that, Har- Matt, Matt Harmon? Harmon, that he does. That's great. Stag Party, you did a great piece on our website uh, a couple weeks ago, the, re-ba- uh, the running back uh, reception impact. Uh, we referred earlier to top positional weeks, and we talked about that a, a bit um, and referred to that a number of times on the wide receiver show last week. That piece is awesome. It just shows you what guys are in the top 12 by their position every single week across all the positions. I mean, that's how, how are you going to get wide receiver one, running back one, quarterback one, tight end? Go for it. The thing is, everybody has counting stats. You can find counting stats on every site, in every corner you look for, you can find the number of catches, the number of targets, the mm-hmm. number of you know receiving yards, rushing yards, touchdowns, whatever you want. You can find that anywhere. But look for the places like Pro Football Focus where you can find yep. you know per snap information, where you can find how many snaps a guy is playing a week. You know that's going to lead to big things down the line. How many routes is this guy running? How deep are those routes going? Is he always going downfield? Does he have a huge average depth of target? All those things are huge and cool and just make you a better fantasy football player before the counting stats ever show up on the sheet. And I love on our draft kit, our last tab, you've got snap counts. I love your touchdown dependency. How dependent is a certain player in a position on scoring touchdowns? Is What's the yardage versus the touchdown? Little things like that are just... It's crucial. It just shows you just the main difference. When you're sitting there and it's so, the minutia is so small and you're working the last of your tiers and like, this guy's who's ahead, who's ahead? That's that last layer of detail, that onion that you can really look at and say, all right, four out of five things that I'm going to bank my rest my hat on are going towards this Amari Cooper over X player, X, player X. 
All right, Cooper, you're ahead of him. You're next, uh, Deshaun Jackson or whatever. You know, what, what's amazing to me is that now you have all these sites that have this information, or you even just have even your, your websites that you are hosted through that have all these customizable stats and, and charts and things that you can come up with on your own. So, you know, what's it's interesting to me is like when we came out with targets, touches, and looks, or we came out with like all these well, different Well, it started things. out targets. Right. Then and we, we were the first to do that. Then it was tar- Then everyone was doing targets, then we did targets and touches. And then everyone started doing targets. Then we did tar- targets and touches and looks, and no one's doing that. So we're still we're still ahead of the game there. No, but that was, off. You but guys that, are lazy. But that was the whole point, <laughs> is that when we had to do these things in the past, it was, you were always saying to us, D-Rex, all right, what's going to be your groundbreaking thing that you're going to bring to the table this year? You know, so that was where, where career year beware uh, was formed from. That's where... Pyro powering. Right. Power all, and numbers. All these different things have come up. But what's what's amazing to me is, yes, all these sites are great and they, and they have all that information. But if all the things that Stag Party was saying was, was, was over your head, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, then make it so it's more simplified for you. You know, as I sit there, as I always say, I, I like to just... I don't want to be force-fed... What they're doing, I want to figure out how what they're doing, or I want to get my own minutia into it. So I just want the raw data. So Pro Football Focus, uh, Pro Football Reference is, is another one for me that just it's all the raw data. I get all the game stats, I get all these other things. Um, I like it also for my own league that I'm in when I use the scoring system. And like for CBS, they do weekly scoring, so you can yeah. do like you can come up with your own uh, last time positional weeks or whatever, and see how how often this guy was, you know, that that dominant player. Yeah, I mean, I got I mean another one just along those lines as well. Sporting charts. I mean, it did it, it is it's pure numbers. But, I mean, you don't have to sit there and count up all the 300-yard games. You know, it gives you, like, these guys, what are the 300-yard games called? That, that plays a difference in games with bonuses. Uh, the fumbles, fumbles lost and, you know, and fumbles, uh, you know, just regular fumbles or fumbles lost. That makes a difference, too, because guys are pulled from games and pulled out of, the, you know, their starting roles because of stuff like that. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's just number crunching here and there, but... You know what? You're a long touchdown guy. How many catches over 20, 20 over yards? 20 yards over yeah, 40 yards. Touchdowns over 40 yards. Runs Stuff over like 20 that. yards. Right. These are all things that are, are major Sporty difference charts. makers. Does which was also job, part of the reason when I was c- trying to figure out, and and I don't think it's... The Matrix? The Matrix. It's 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 tough. Well, we're trying to make it digestible. It's still code. It's still code. I haven't made it out yet where I can see and, the, and, the uh, Agent Smith yet. And here's the perfect segue for what I was going to say is Stag Party, and, Stag Party and I, well, he kind of will throw charts together and I'm putting them up and I'm thinking about them from a design standpoint Stag Party will read every chart every cell, everything and that's just the way he's going to do it I'm always like, dude, I'm reading the, the give me the juice how are we highlighting the juice I'm not reading every cell, it's not what I do and you're kind of probably a little bit more like that. I think Dogmatic is probably day by day, one or the other. Uh, <laughs> He's a but, day walker. He walks both lines. But, uh, but I'll, I'll be like, he'll be like, no, but I'm going to read every chart. I'm like, stay. You've got to give the layman version for a guy like me that's a skimmer. Not everyone's an unbridged guy like you. And I think that that's funny. There's no right way to find the stats that work for you that we're referring to. And there's, But just find them. And, and, and have your go-tos. They're yeah, out there to get, and you can get them. That, that 
conform and that, that form your thoughts and, 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 and approaches to different players and positions. This is another thing where I could say I'm gonna help you help you be a better fisherman. So like when we're doing I'm doing my weekly write-ups for the players that I'm doing, I'm always going on to NFL.com and I'm just looking at team defensive stats. And I'm looking at, okay, if it's a wide receiver, how many times this season has that defense given up passes over 20 yards, passes over 40 yards? What have the top wide receivers done against that defense? What These are just, those are the things that you do. So it's like, I'm doing this for, for, for eight different, nine, ten different teams for all the write-ups that I have to do. You have one fantasy football team where you're going to start nine players. Now I'm going to take away the kicker and the defense. You're starting seven players. So... All I'm telling you is if you think about what we're doing on a weekly basis for basically on a mind shift where each of us is handling, what, about eight fantasy teams and doing all this massive research, eight, you know, eight each, you know, yeah. then we get to our 32 here, right? Eight, yeah, 16, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, my math is good. Um, that you, you have eight players you have to look up, maybe ten. You can have the answers that you need are here through the stats. We will help you and teach you sure. to be the best at reading them. For sure. And one of those things, coming back on an earlier point, if you're just on Twitter, there are so many just great articles for you to peruse. People are posting them all the time. We share a ton of different stuff that we think is good work. Um, so that that's all you know, super interesting things that you can just find. If you, if you don't know where to find, I might start with Twitter over any, anywhere else. So move, moving on to our next point here, you know, we're going to talk about uh, drafting those players on good power and numbers teams on good offenses. You know, reasons for doing that, and there's different ways to do it. Like, I think it's best in, in waiver wire. Like, you're, I'd much rather go for... Tim Hightower than Denard Robinson because that's one of those decisions that had to be made late in the season last year. You know, once T.J. Yeldon went down, go for the guy on the more high-powered offense. Go for the guy who's going to get more chances because his team is flat-out better on offense. That gets first downs. That gets down the field. You know, all those things matter. And you know, cost me a championship in one league, like I said. Won me a championship in another. Just finding guys on better teams is going to help you. You know, when you're looking at the guys who finish top 10 among running backs, their average record on the season is like 9-7. and seven. They are good football teams. So here's a quick point on that where we always would get the question, how could you... How could you say that taking the second wide receiver on this team is better than taking the first wide receiver on this team? Well, because... The receiver, the second receiver on this team has a quarterback that's going to throw 45 to 40 to 45 touchdowns. The, the wide receiver number one that you want has got a quarterback that's going to throw 22 to 26 touchdowns. I think I've said enough. Oh, yeah. And there's going to be about a difference of about 1,000 yards in passing yards. Yeah. Uh, of course. I mean, that, and obviously that's going to make a huge difference. I mean, it was the difference between the Oakland offense, uh, you know, of years old and the New Orleans offense. It's just a no-brainer when it comes to that. I think that the best thing that you could compare to when you're talking about something like this is the SOS. I think that when you look at the top eight teams when it comes to the power numbers and you look at the bottom eight teams, I think there's a stark difference, a difference enough where you say, all right, if I'm looking at 
guys in this realm of my uh, you know decision making when it comes to your tiers and uh, which position to take. You got to look at the, the the very fact of which team is better with the power numbers. Which team is the better offense that's going to score more versus which is the one that it's kind of a crapshoot every week. I mean, you get somebody like an Antonio Brown on Pittsburgh that scores a ton all the time. That's obviously going to be, in my opinion, a better option than a Julio Jones who may be physically more talented, um, and may even have a... I mean, actually, Antonio Brown has the best schedule in the league this year. But um, in years past, looking at the the NFC South, you would think an Atlanta player obviously has an easier schedule than the Pittsburgh player. Right. There's no, just no doubt about it. This year it's different. But in year, I mean, in years past, I would say, okay, Julio Jones in that sort of situation. This one, it's a no-brainer. It's an Antonio Brown. It just makes a huge difference when you look at the bottom eight versus top of, uh, top eight, especially in scoring. Atlanta's a very mediocre team compared to a Pittsburgh team when it comes to something like that. Uh, that's, I think, the best comparison. Anybody got anything else? Move on. Okay. Uh, our next point is number 13. If a talented QB or tight end is still on the board, you've got your top guy, don't be afraid to draft a backup. Is there any trade easier to make than getting a backup QB and parlaying him for a running back two, a wide receiver two, after a guy loses his stud for a couple games? There's not an easier player to trade than a quarterback. No, because there are only so many of them. Everyone only plays one, so it's not like you have... The ultimate option of, oh, I got the three wide receivers. I can have Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Floyd, or John Brown. Right? It doesn't matter. I'll just take any one of those. No, there's a limited amount of good quarterbacks. And so if you are able to have, and, and the other reason is this. Don't ever be afraid to do that, especially with these one position players. Because you're also taking points away from anybody else that can play them against you or in the field. So if you have, you know, um, the number two scoring quarterback and your backup is the number six scoring quarterback, well, you know what? And it's always it always seems that this happens too. The guy who wants to trade you for that quarterback is the guy who's playing you the next week. <laughs> yeah, point blocking's an important factor that, you know, it's hard to discuss because it's so subjective to your league. Yep. Uh, but just and, and your particular position mm-hmm. within what you've already drafted too. Yep. I mean, right. it's, yeah, I mean, your team could be filled with guys that um, could potentially get injured, <laughs> you know, or they could be completely solid guys. And you got to think of it a completely different way. I mean, in years past, I've been, I, I don't need a backup quarterback or I don't need a backup tight end. I will not draft them. I'm going to load up on running backs and wide receivers. But if there's a source thumb sticking out, that's when you pounce. I mean, you don't have to draft a backup there, but you only play one. But you don't have to not do it either. But let me ask you this. When you would do that and you would sit there and draft all these running backs or whatever, did your quarterback ever go down? Yeah, Tony Romo. Okay, and when that happened, did you not... (laughs) When that happened, it wasn't just one player you had to get to get a quarterback. You probably had to trade, make a a, a three-for-two trade or or some sort of unbalanced trade because the guy's like, well, if I'm going to give you a quarterback, this guy's going to give you all this money points with your starting lineup, so I'm going to need to get some cash back in return. That's the other reason why you draft that extra quarterback, because you can demand more. I like because the way that position means a lot. I like the way you're starting to sound. Every every point you're making during this podcast, you're starting sounding more like an Italian gangster. 
try. The previous point was nice and long, and it was it was like kind of like a New Jersey gangster. That last one was a little more New York. We're ready. We're ready. He's, uh, he's got a baseball bat in his hand. He's about to go Capone on us. I don't, I don't think you have to try. I think it's natural. I do. Yeah. All right, then. All right, Dan. <laughs> All right, all right, Gary. Anybody all right, it's not Dan. Gary. I mean, I'll say one Gary. more thing that we can go on this next Gary. Sunday. There's nothing worse Gary. than waiting too long to to get Gary. a good backup. Um, anything injuries happen all the time nowadays. There are no guarantees today. Everybody and anybody goes down. If you're waiting to the end to get a, a second tight end and you're stuck with, I hate to say, it, guys like uh, you know, guys you might think have potential like a, a, a Vance McDonald. You know, or Jacob Tam because he had a couple of decent weeks and he's on a team that he might be the second target next year. Uh, or uh, Charles Clay even. You know, I mean, those are weak choices. Very weak choices. Guys that just aren't going to do a whole of a lot for you. Charles Clay may be not in, the, in that zone. But definitely, I mean, don't let it go too long. You want to have somebody who can at least perform for you if your guy goes down. You don't want to have to trade away too much to get something to make up for your loss of making just a decent backup pick. One of the best years I had was I drafted Jason Witten in the eighth round and Kellen Winslow in the ninth round when they both had it was like ridiculous seasons. And Kellen Winslow it, Jr. unless unless you're able to draft Winslow Jr. Uh, it was Kellen Winslow Jr. <laughs> yeah, and Jason uh, Witten in his rookie year maybe. <laughs> that old but anyway, it was like so. I, when I when I when I picked these two two guys up and I'm sitting there and this was before flex position so I couldn't play them, but it became, well, which guy do I start? You know, it's like every week it's going to be one or the other. And then someone makes you a ridiculous offer because they're sitting there with just a hole every week. And now they've lost three games in a row. And now they're willing to talk to you. Well, the funny thing about that is that year that you did that, those guys were both like two of the two of the top two fantasy football seasons right. ever. Right. Uh, Callum Winslow's got a top ten fantasy football season for tight end ever. Yeah. I mean, just it's so easy to trade when you can fill someone's hole. Like that is the easiest way to make a trade in you know today's day and age where everybody's super uptight about their players. But if you have a guy who slots right into a position that they need, that is the easiest way to make a deal. Let's make a deal. I'll buy you dinner, honey, and then I'll fill your hole. Valerday. Uh, don't mean I don't care for you. <laughs> Sometimes I just hit it right out of work. Sometimes Sometimes I'm good. I mean, you know. So, our next point is number 14. We've sort of hit on it a couple different times, but in, you know, very different ways. There's no way to skin a, no one way to skin a cat. Uh, You do you, boo boo. Uh, Make the team your own. It's, It's yours. I don't manage your team every week. You might ask me a million second opinions, but I don't manage that team. I have nothing invested. So if I like a player a lot more than you like a player and you don't want to play them, that's your prerogative. It's your team. And in a lot of cases, like you say, sorry, Solid Nine, but Solid Nine's a perfect example. Second opinions, text messages, out the lot, emails. Love you, buddy. I heard you had a lot of old timers checking you out at the gym today. Nice work. Hope you brought one of those skinned little cats that we were talking about home. Uh, but any advice that I give the guy afterwards, I'm like, when it's rolling, I'm like, so you took you you start you did what I said, right? No. no. <laughs> what are you asking for my advice if you're not going to take it? Well, you know what it is, though. But this is what it is. A lot of guys, so many guys out there in fantasy and gals, 
are just indecisive, right? Just afraid to pull the trigger. And I have found this. In, in the times where it's like I'm sitting there and I'm like trying to talk, I'm trying to get a, a text to, to, to Dogmatic, I'm trying to text to D-Rex, I'm trying to text to Stag to get an opinion, and no one responds to me, whatever I choose to do was probably better than what I would have done if I gotten all the responses back. Because I was not clouded at that point. I then had to be, okay, I got to make my decision, I got to do me. And, it, and I do it all the time. And, and it's good. <laughs> you do it yourself all the time. Damn right. Damn God right. bless it. Well, you know how to do it best. Yeah. The, <laughs> truth, truth. I know I like. <laughs> Here's the best part, though. When we don't answer Houdini, let's, let us tell the listeners, you get pissed. Like, what the hell? I'm answering. I'm helping out. I need help here. Like, I'm running out of time. My <laughs> things are like on, on strict deadlines of like when they got to be done. When we, so. I think we do it on purpose. Like, I think you do. Let's, 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 let's smoke out who needs. Let's see him flip out. Anybody else? You understand me? <laughs> I don't we're get, we we're do. getting there. We're getting there. No, I've already made my point. I do you. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah that was that was he, was, he was out of this one. I, I think in general, I got a little ornery in that one. In general, for me, I'm a heart guy. I want players that I love on my team. It seems like I win championships when I have guys that I friggin' love on my team. It's just natural. And then if I go down in a in a in a blaze of glory and the Led Zeppelin goes crashing down to the ground, and I've got guys on my, I still can enjoy watching the games. Where if you and do you. But for me, I like having some players that I genuinely, genuinely like, and that changes. But I like watching football games. Yep. I want to, I want to, I want to have guys that I like watching scoring me points. Yeah, I hate Pierre Garcon, and there was one year where I drafted him because he was, you know, he's coming off 123 receptions, 185 targets, or whatever, and it's like, all right, this is this is going to be good. You know, I'm getting him sort of late. It's good value. But I hate him so much that slotting him into my lineup physically caused me pain. And the thing is, we also don't suffer your losses. When your fantasy football team loses, we don't feel the pain. We feel a little bit because we, you know, put out the opinions. We, you know, we we go out on limbs for guys. And when Care about you more than anything else they is. And when it sucks, it sucks. I mean... It, it, but we don't suffer those losses. That's not on our win-loss record. But to go back to some of the things we're talking about with SLS, when we call something really wrong, we suffer. Like when we say yeah. that, when those Nobody things, when, that's that's when we do I suffer. See. We don't suffer your loss, but we suffer, and it happens. I'd I say suffer with the, sec- with the, I suffer yeah, with the second opinions. Second opinions. I, I'd say five. I'd say three times this year. I gave advice. Games at halftime, and that advice is was so glaringly wrong. I genuinely feel bad. And you'll see on our Facebook page. Check us out: facebook.com forward slash pyromaniac. I'll go and I'll pop like, dude, dude. I'm sorry, man. That you just hit it up, and I feel that. Like when it's going, like there are times when, especially with the, you're just like, fuck. You know what? Even, I felt great about that call. Early in the I year, was so wrong. Especially early in the year, I, I had one. It was like week six. I was having a great fantasy week, and then this afternoon guy, I can't remember, it was uh, it was a Stevie Johnson thing or something else, and it was like, and I was like, oh, go Stevie Johnson. And I'm like, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, first I'm, play I'm of having, the game, I'm, you know, I'm in, I'm in like five leagues, I'm like, I'm going, I'm, going, I'm like, oh, it's either easily a four, four and one, if not a five and a oh week, and then I see him just like crap in the bed, I'm like, 
I, I, and I, I went back into that second opinion. I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah, well Here, here's the fact of the matter. If there was one guy out there who had all the answers to all the questions, I would quit this job and I would follow him. That's it. <laughs> I, would, I would win every league I'm in. I would make all the money in the world and that'd be great. It's just not the way it is. Yeah. Everybody's wrong all the time. The second you start feeling terrible about, terrible about it, um, every single call you make, uh, that, that's going to ruin your life. The fact is, we're giving our opinions and we're really good at our opinions and we know what we're talking about, but the fact is you've got to make your own decisions. Plain and simple. Well, I always tell, it's like uh, I have friends that will call me up and they're giving me the thing. I go, look, you're asking me who I'll start. I'm, I'm telling you the guy that obviously you didn't want me to tell. Uh, but I'm saying, here's why I'm doing it. It's by the data. But if you got a feeling in your gut, then go with your gut. I said, don't sit here and say that, that play the guy that I told you to start because of the matchup, because of this, because of all the empirical data. is sitting there in the face and it's saying, if I'm going to do it, I have to make a rational decision. You're asking me. I'm not invested in it like you are. I'm making a rational decision. This is the rational call. If you still are listening to my answer and you're going... Are you sure? Then start the guy you want to start. It's an easy way of putting it, and it's an age-old thing. It's the exact same thing with a coin flip. Coin flips aren't about deciding which one it's going to be. If it's heads, it's this call. If it's tails, it's this call. It's what you decide in the air. That sec- The second the coin goes up, you're hoping it's something. If it comes out something else, you were wishing it was something else. The second it's in the air, the first thing you're thinking of, that's what you wanted. Confirmation bias. It's confirmation. It's exactly what it is. That's why you're asking the question to us usually. You want us to say one thing or another. If you hear it one way and you don't like it, you're not. You're probably not going to go with it. If you hear it one the other way, you feel good about it and you feel good about it going into it. That's almost as good as a foul verdict. You ought to have a chance to grow it up. Well, I'll say this. When I think I really know the answer, I give it to them straight on second opinions and across our social media and friends that email me, text message we get. When I don't really feel like it, I'm like a cold set of me. Well, I do that. or I said, I'm like, guys. Check out Doug Madison. I do that. I, no, I do, I do that for sure. I try to make them go with their gut. Or I'm like, I do that as well. But Or I'm like, I ask you guys to go in and answer it. Or basically what I do is like, yeah, it's going to be great, it's going to be great. But, and I do both sides of the coin, like both are kind of... You sandbagging son of a bitch. Yeah, it's like 60% and 40%. So so if the guy picks the 40%, it's wrong, like, I told you, it still could happen. No, no, I, I, I like to do that too. I, I want to play both sides of the coin out when they're asked, because people ask us detailed questions. So you're sitting there going, okay, you know, that's 30 players. How am I supposed to respond to this? It, it, well, it, the 30 player ones are ridiculous. You know, don't give me, if, if you want to give us choices, you, you say either between this guy and this guy, or here's three guys pick two, or here's four guys pick two. But when I'm picking the guys and I'm saying, here's this guy and I like him for this reason with this matchup, but I also understand where you're coming from here because this is a solid matchup. Personally, and this is what I always say, or I'll go IMO in my opinion. I would go this way, but if you have a gut feeling, trust your gut. Because what that's also saying is that you drafted well. If you used our draft, you have the right guys off of your bench. This is a problem that other teams wish they had. Yeah. 
I remember quickly. I remember one guy that bought Pyro Pro, the only Pyro Pro account that I ever refunded. If you're listening, God bless you. Uh, no ill will, but he was like, I bought your Pyro Pro and I've lost three games in a row listening to your advice and your strategy. And I said, I refunded him right away. I'm like, if you're just following us and listening and, and blaming it all on us, then you're not. You're not the kind of fantasy guy we want to do. If, it's, if you're just taking our advice, Renna, and we and your team and that you didn't draft with us wasn't up to snuff. Okay, we're we're gonna do our best, but what have you? All right, let's move on to point number fifteen. Beware of rookies and free agents, especially ones that are entering training camp with any sort of injury. And I think the next uh, one is going to be in this kind of vein a little bit as well. Uh, but rookies scoring more points than ever. Free agents moving into great situations, boom or bust. It, you're leaving a good situation. Sometimes you're a mediocre player, but now you're in that top power, power, you know, power teams, power number teams. But still, you're just a lot. In a lot of cases, you're 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 you're, you're drafting the situation. You're going for that. But the player's just not that great. It Here's becomes apparent when a when an old, mediocre player on an, on a great team is just still mediocre. He's just not that great. Here's the way to sum that up when you're talking about the rookies, free agents. Beware of sexy is what it is. Because rookies have sexy names. They're in a sexy position. Like, wow, he just got drafted by a team that runs all the time. Or a free agent just goes to a team that, wow, they pass all the time. Andre Johnson. Yeah, or he's going to a situation like, wow, Andrew Luck's my quarterback. Andre Johnson, this is going to be awesome for the Beware of those things. Beware of sexy. Sexy grabs you, and it makes you want it. Bad. And then all of a sudden, there's buyer's remorse. You find out cottage cheese. It's just they not took, working took, out so well. I mean, it's a lot of, there was a lot of, uh, there's a lot of posts. There's a lot of CGI. There's a lot of Photoshop work on that sexy shot. <laughs> yes, sir. Airbrushing. She tindered the shit out of you. Uh, <laughs> she had six years old. Where's the timestamp on that picture? Uh-huh. But sort of going back to that, I think you could be too high on rookies. Like, you know, depending on the position, you haven't seen them perform at the NFL level. Temper your expectations a little bit. Like, having a rookie receiver in the top 12 probably just isn't going to happen. Um, it, it's just not. I mean, there's a coming-of-age ODB season every once every decade, and that's what you're shooting for. But, yeah, temper that expectation. You know, maybe have them outside of your top 20, but you're still very... It's, it's more than that. It's like every three years. Gurley, I think, kind of had it last year. It wasn't ODB-esque. We know that Moss had it, but I agree. I completely agree with you. I'm sorry to cut you off because you had great points. Houdini was looking at me, and Houdini did it. Remember, three years ago, you got all fired oh, up. And you're like, ever since, you're like, oh my god, I don't know how it happened. I had six or seven rookies on my team. I'm right. never doing that again. You can have too and many I, rookies. Well, yeah, that's one thing. Well, well, no, no. But the other thing is this: I, I almost say, if you can be smart, avoid the rookies in your draft. As I already said it earlier, and I'm not going to go into it again. The rookies, for whatever reason, this week 6-10, to 10, it's the magical thing. All these guys that are rookies that are drafted, except rookie running backs. Some of the rookie running backs get chances, but even still, they're only getting a few chances early. Like David Johnson had those couple splashes, right, that everyone went to go grab him, and then he had his, his dearth, and then he came back. Who was my favorite player last year? Rookie, Amari Cooper. I had him in every league. Went high. I was grabbing him in third rounds. These are in mostly rookie leagues, but I still liked him in non-rookie leagues. 
who's the guy that let me down more than any player? And this year, I can still see, hopefully he falls, but it sounds like he's still going high. Amari Cooper is a guy, buyer beware for me. Uh, now, at the same time, in our Pyro Pro League, a guy that I liked as well, Gurley, and that was a risk. That was a high ceiling, low uh, low floor kind of pick, and that paid off. So it can go either way, but don't do too many of them. It's like what Dogmatic was saying earlier in the show. If you're taking all high upside guys, which is basically what a rookie is, you're drafting a rookie on his it's upside. It's all potential. You have no fucking a rookie, idea well, a rookie's floor is literally zero. Zero. Right. Zero. They ask anybody that drafted Perriman last year. Let me, let, let me explain rookies to you. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. Real quick. Okay. Here's, here's the thing about rookies. The extreme rarity you find an Alfred Morris. That's the extreme rarity. Okay. A sixth rounder out of nowhere that kind of makes really good and you got him late. But the fact of the matter is that most rookies perform as they were looked at in the draft. Okay, if you're going to get a high-scale rookie who's drafting the first 10 picks, maybe that'll happen. And it's not a guarantee either. But in general, most of them are going to perform exactly they're drafted later. They weren't considered elite. They weren't first-rounders. They weren't somebody we wanted to invest millions of dollars in immediately. Neither should you. That's a fact of the matter. Most of them are going to fail. Almost all of them fail, to be quite honest. Even first-rounders fail. So if you're drafting a rookie, expecting him to be a starter for you all year, you're going to be disappointed literally over 90% of the time. Over 90% of the time. It's rare for you to find a rookie that's really going to work out. Speculation with the news that's been happening with these trades over the last two weeks. Are these, is is, is Eagles at number two and are the Rams at number one, are they drafting these quarterbacks to start day one? Word is no. Maybe for golf. Maybe yeah, maybe for St. Louis with golf, but I, I don't. Philly ain't going to do it. But that's at the same they, time, with what they did with the quarterback position already, there's no chance. On, They're doing it for me, the future. You're going to tell me with Wentz and Case Keenum in front of him? No, Brad. No, no. Oh, golf will be with Keenum. Oh, okay, no, okay, Bradford's going to get okay, Wentz. Okay, okay. I think whoever goes to LA is the starter. Maybe. You have to be. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. They're they're drafting that person to start right away. Philadelphia. That is, they're trying to create. I don't even know what they're doing. Now we're going to have, we paid Chase Daniel. I don't know what we paid. So confused. I don't know what they're doing. Even more so than that, it was such an erratic, excuse me, extreme prior system with Jim Kelly to just make so many just rash moves. And now the new system that's supposed to be more even killed is doing this. It's like, if you're, I'm a Philly fan, I'm like, jeez. How would you feel if you're Chase Daniel who was promised whatever he was promised? How would you feel, number one, you're Sam Bradford? Okay, they're retaining Hot me. Is how you feel. Well, he all said these it. guys. Yeah, all these he guys. Said it. Yeah. These guys should all be he did, pissed he did. off. He actually used the word hot. He uh, used the word hot. Yeah, he said he's hot about it. Yeah, but I'm hot about that. But hot. Moving away from rookies. He's made 140 million dollars in his career. But I'm hot. Moving away from rookies hot. and hitting up the free agents a little bit. Old free ed- agents tend to never work out. The guys in the you know entering their third contract stay stay far away from. I mean, those are just guys who are never going to be there. Guys who are on, you know, three or four teams, no matter how sexy it is. Like, that's not going to work out. A guy, you know, going to a second team at the age of 25, 26, that might work out a lot better for you, like a Lamar Miller. But, you know, the 31-year-old Frank Gore going to Indy, Andre Johnson going to Indy, and there's just countless late career resurgences. Throw them out there now. Wherever Roddy White ends up going. 
wherever Andre, uh, I hate to say it, wherever Anquan Bolden goes. Yeah. I'm sorry, it ain't going to be the same thing. I'm man. a little, I'm a little, you know what, no, I'm less with around, those young yeah, guys, even with the 25, 26, when it's a wide receiver switching teams, realize it's going to take time. Playbook matters. Especially when a guy who's been only on one team has only learned one playbook his entire career. You don't know now. He's got, gotten paid. What's his desire? What's his motivation? And for whatever reason, it's usually with the free agent. This is also where these guys, these free agents of a year ago, who are now in the second year of their system, become undervalued because people are like, oh, they're not that good anymore. Well, now they know the system, and now they have the rapport with the quarterback. Boom, those receivers who are free agents in 2015 become stars in 2016. This is the Houdini topic that we're going to cover next. The soft Tissue issue. Yes. I'm going to... The soft tissue issue. Be scared. Very scared of the soft tissue injuries. When they happen in off-season, pre-season, training camps, uh, it usually doesn't bode well for the fantasy football season. Yeah, I don't care about a soft tissue issue last year. What I care about is entering the season with a soft tissue injury, with a hamstring strain or a pull, you know, depending on how they classify it. If it happens early in training camp and it's a hamstring pull and he's out for two weeks, but then he comes back and he's strong, like, okay, I'll I'll take a chance. But a guy who's got a strain and is maybe going to miss the first couple weeks of the season, that's where I'm very, very leery. Just trusting these guys to come back and be full strength right away is just bad business. Like, I'm going to pretty much avoid all of them altogether next year. I'm maybe. more avoiding than you are. I mean, I'm so avoiding the soft tissue injury. And it's, I'm not even waiting for training camp. They get it at OTAs, mini camps. It's going to be there with them the entire season, the entire offseason. Because what those things are, are nagging injuries. And any of us who's gotten older in our life, yeah, these kids... They maybe they've never had it happen to them before. It's gonna happen, and when it does, it doesn't go away. I still have this pain where I can't like move my arm back past a certain For point, sure. and it's I, like it, it, I'm like, oh well, you know, when I was whatever, that would have gone away. Well, now it's been nine months, and it has not gone away. So that's that's called the, the, the and, and the worry for me is this. What soft tissue injuries lead to is more soft tissue injuries. Because when you're favoring a hamstring, then you start doing things differently. And then all of a sudden you injure a calf. Because you're pulling up, trying to protect your hamstring, and you're putting more strain on other muscles. And so, that Alshon Jeffrey should be, the from, from now on, the encyclopedia version of... How many soft tissue injuries did you have last year? It was three or four, from the calf to the to the to the hamstring to the to the quad. To the- and it especially rings true for rookies. I mean, you get a rookie with any sort of injury like that, just forget it for the entire year. It's the rarest of rarest of rarest exceptions where somebody like an ODB. <laughs> That's it, though. That is totally it, though. Name another rookie ever that has come back from a soft tissue injury and done what and done what he did. That's it's just more. Here's your case in point. Remember Kevin White last year with the quad. And yeah. he never came back. Never came back. Todd Gurley was injured. Well, his, injury, his injury was more of a, a hairline fracture with the shin though, right? Yeah. That's right. why they put him down was the hairline fracture of the shin. And yeah, because he had that space in his teeth that was like Lauren Hutton. What about Perriman? Wasn't his was a hamstring? His was a knee, degenerative knee. No. 
Yeah, I'm just, all wrong. He, he's, he's all been, right. Who he's Benjamin to win. 90 minute IPAs are sure damn good. They look great. <laughs> what I would, but just a rookie with injury and not getting time with the quarterback in a new system that you learn more from being on the field than reading a playbook. That's it. It doesn't it work out. That's it. Doesn't work out. All right. And speaking of coaches, that speaking is, uh, yeah, that is honestly like one of the biggest. Taboos during the the off season is listening to coach speak. You could yeah, what you should do. During all right, the, segue in seventeen. What you should do, coach speak. What you should do during the off season is turn off all the teams in in your Twitter and don't listen to a word they say. He's in the best shape of his life. Ignore quotes is basically <laughs> what you're saying. Ignore coach quotes. Ignore team sourced. Player quotes, PK Ripper. I love it today. I was good. I think you retweeted it, but I read it and I was gonna retweet it. Kelsey came out saying, "We are just gonna light it up. We're gonna step. We're just the Chiefs. We are just gonna start going nuts." And it's just like, um, we're glad you got your thirty, forty million dollars, buddy. But we hear that every year. You're gonna not get any. You have the least amount of yardage on offense every single year. Absolutely, it's just you're. That's what you are. What you are. Here's what I would say too. You know, we talk about coach speak. We were in Chicago, the land of. We had Lovey Smith, who gave us nothing. Then we had Mark Trestman, who gave us everything, but still didn't. Still didn't. I didn't learn any more from Lovey Smith to Mark Trestman. Now we have John Fox, who tells us nothing. So I want to reiterate this point back to I don't know which number it was, but well, we're, follow we're your birds. beat writers. Those are the guys that are giving you the real information. Don't listen to the teams. Don't listen to the coaches. They're trying to protect themselves from the team that's studying them to play them the next week. Let's tie in seventeen with number eighteen. Do it. And no coaching staff tendencies. No, that's number twenty. Okay. Well, well, either way, whatever it is. Who cares? Tie it in. Now it becomes eighteen. That's what I was doing. Oh, there. God, I got it. We flipped it. All right, 18. Amen, amen. Okay. Sorry. We're, new, we're, new at the, we're new at this. We're moving these around. We have, to be, we have to be it. fluid Understood. here, D-Rex. We're fluid. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So, what, what comes well, along? Uh, I, I, I can edit that. I'm doing enough edits already. Okay. Go and start with your 18. So, so let, let's tie that in with number 18. No coaching staff tendencies. Know what they do as, as much as possible. Because there's, what, seven new head coaches every season? Uh, know what you can about them. Know their past careers as offensive coordinators. Know that Mark Trussman throws it to the running back more than anybody. Know that Andy Reid hands the ball off in the red zone more than like anybody in like the history of the NFL outside of you know past 85 of Walter Payton. But know those things and sort of use those things congruently with coach speak. If, you know, if... Kelsey's talking about lighting it up and being a passing team for a team that's, you know, one of the more run-heavier teams in the league. You know, know those things. Know those things that don't go together. Those don't work. Or, or understand that when a coach is, is saying things that, you know, are, are, are those just they're kind of BS type things, you know, where it's like they just are what, they're, what they are, what they're doing. Be more of a savvy. We're going to try to. We're trying to teach you to be more of a savvy NFL follower, so that you can kind of read through their BS and this out of the other thing, and really catch the real. The real the coach speak will really give you about uh, five minutes of, of talk, 
maybe about 25 seconds worth of real data. Yeah, I mean, and there's there's opposite things there. Like, when things conflict, don't believe them. But if, hey, if it reinforces something that you already thought to be true, use it then. I mean, t- not all coach speak is bad. I mean, there's maybe 10% of coach speak that's good, but 90% of it's bad. You just got to know how to filter through those things and use it to your advantage. Use everything you hear, everything you read to your advantage as a fantasy owner. But also understand that most coaches are manipulators, so the reason why you don't want to be listening to a manipulator is because you're being manipulated. And who's, <laughs> and even worse than coach speak, might be GM speak. Here's the thing, is that I think you need to read it all just so you can learn how to do it in your own league. And I think that that kind of segues actually into 19. To be able to coach speak your own league. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, I think that that's what you got to that, That's one of the biggest things that you got to do. You got to be able to understand how to manipulate the different players in your own league. If you if you listen, if you're going to listen to the quotes of all the coaches uh, coaches in the league during the year, uh, during, uh, during the offseason, you got to learn what they're doing. Do that in your own league. Throw them a bone. Yes, I'm definitely looking at uh, a top running back in those first five picks. I know I have the pick five, but I'm hoping to God to get that running back. When the whole time you have no no inclination whatsoever to get a running back in your, you know, whatsoever. You're not going to take a running back for ten rounds. Who gives a shit? Throw that out there. Make them believe it. I our, think that that's our, a big part of things. Our oldest league that has been a manifestation of many years and I, I know we talk about ourselves too much, but it's, it's kind of started in 1988. It's been a long time. But it's basically like an Agatha Christie novel where there's so much BS happening pre-draft that it's like Murder on the Orient Express. It's like, oh my God, I love this guy. And you're just talking and then you're texting and you're like, you are so full of shit. This, and I'm throwing out something and it's huge. You gotta do that. Throw those little smoke. It's like Spy Hunter, that video I, game. I, okay, <laughs> throwing out smoke signals, throwing out some oils. We're doing. We're throwing out. We're throwing out some wheels. I went from old English authors to eighties video games. You were Nobody can do it. You like were connected. Culture. You were connected to three percent of our audience. <laughs> but that's what. But three percent loves me. No, but here's the best part. Spy Hunter. Hates I don't even know. I don't even know. Dagbart remembers the game Spy Hunter. No, no way. He wasn't no born. Idea. No chance. No, no chance. chance. So you only increased from 3% to about 28% Absolutely. when you included Spy Hunter. There's not one listener that's, li- that's read an Agatha Christie book except for me. You guys included. No, no. I got it. Which is why I got your reference because I'm like, Agatha, I read Murder on the Road. Like, all this bullshit going on. What is the big shit? What is the... Venn diagram of intersection um, between those two things. Agatha Christie and Shadow I got it right here. Zero. 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 Here's where it is. Took me four years to read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> that actually would be better. That, that, that like beat me by... Don't <laughs> double me. Sling Blade doubled me on the, reading the Bible. <laughs> uh, but I, tell you, I tell you what though The other thing too is that If you are one of these guys in uh, That's been following us since, since our inception And we've made you one of the top teams in your league Then you also Probably. get the You get the, the plus and minus Of being that guy that everyone Is looking out for Where everyone's like oh, Don't trade with D-Rex You're always going to get screwed Or 
But what the best part you can do with smoke signals too is any guy that you drop, everyone's going to pick up. You know, so that could be a plus or a minus. So it's like the guys who I know who uh, have been just masterful at it, find a way in their 18 or 20 man roster to add one to two guys that they just know are just bombs. And they're just going to, it was either a home run or it's just a, it's just a bomb. And I'm going to drop that guy and I'm going to watch all these other guys fight over the, the fish I'm th- the dead fish I'm throwing off the, the side of the boat. I like it. Here, here's the one thing that I think is funny. You know the same people, cast characters, like, who are you taking with that first pick? And you're able to kind of confide in them and be like, well, where are you drafting? Well, I'm not anywhere near. Okay. And you can do it. Just play the game, dude. Yeah. Know how to play the game. Know how to do it. Know how to talk through it. And in, in those situations, so that you have some sort of credibility, you have to actually show your true card sometimes. Yeah, right. If, they, if, you're at the, if you're at the nine pick and that guy's got the one pick, to be honest, the swing, you're not going to tell him your sleepers or your third round but pick. Until he's gonna get. But you can, you can truly say, oh, I'm really digging this guy. And in some cases, it, you, can, you, can man, you can manipulate him into going early on him. When it happens, like, totally phone call about three weeks ago. I was talking about how awesome that guy was going to be. Overdrafted, and then what do you do? You text that fucking putz, and you go, "Got you there, buddy." And didn't want that putz at all. Way to overdraft him. <laughs> hey, and that's exactly what it is. You have to put out, especially if you're in one of these drafts like that you're in, where you already know what your draft order is. Me, it's just, it's popping up just like right at the end. If you know what your draft order is, you should start playing mind games. If you're picking in picks one through four or something. You should be playing mind games with everybody 8 through 12. And just try to... Because you want to mess up and get more talent in the position that you want coming back to you. You could talk to every owner. Pre-collusion? It's not collusion. You're pre-selling, pre-closing. You're pre-whatever. You're just being on top of your game. But you could even... Pre-ejaculating? Well, well, no, but that would be that would be doing it the wrong way, Stan. <laughs> but that, that was really weird. But I like it. He's, he's I'm talking more. Ta- I'm talking more tantra stuff where you're making everyone else pre ejaculate, and you're holding out for the huge ha ha ninth round blow. You want to know how to do some smoke and mirrors, though? You're like collusion. You can be like, I want that guy so fucking bad. I'll right. trade up with you. I'll give you an ounce of weed. <laughs> okay, I want to. I want to trade up that guy. Someone, and then all of a sudden, it's like we can't do that. The legal catch is like, dude, let's do it. Mind fucking him. He's like, well, I've oh my done god, like- this guy loves him. He, we, I know I can't do this. Next thing you pick, like, yeah, what are you on an ounce of weed right now? You fucking dumbass. What I do is if I'm, in, if I'm sitting at the, if I'm sitting at the front of the draft, I use it the other way around. If I'm sitting at the front of the draft, I find that guy toward the back where I'm like, man, I wish I would have had pick ten. You know, so I can get the double wide receiver in a wrap or type situation. And I'm going, man, who are you thinking about taking the 10? It's like, or he calls me up. It's like, man, I wish I had the number one. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I'm so happy with getting the number one. But it's like, I kind of wish I was in your situation where it's like, I could have yeah, this. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you start playing it. And it was like, so then maybe it's like, you could facilitate a trade where I'm able to, to swap positions but move up in two different rounds and do But even thing. if you can't, I'm in leagues where you can't trade picks, but you can still be like, I just want it because of that third round pick. And then the guy I'm drafts dying. I'm just yeah. dying to grab that rookie quarterback, Goff. 
And then he takes it. <laughs> you gotta do it. You gotta do it. You gotta but, do it. Especially in your rookie league where you can play a rookie quarterback, like that's just awful. <laughs> this year, I'm telling you right now, in some of those leagues, uh, what first rounders, a couple of those guys will be first. Couple, they'll both be first. Two rounders. Thing is, a rookie quarterback can win your league if you have to. Oh uh, yeah, Cam Newton did it last. All right, nice, we got, not, we, got we got, we got, we talked one? about this, so this is going to be super short. We've done this at, at nauseum. We've talked about how know your league's rules. We we literally can just we can shut this show out in the next three minutes. Know your league's rules because they affect who you draft. Know your league's opponents because then you know who they draft. You got yep, something? Yeah, Get it. Well, say the next one. Get it. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And then know your players and also know the NFL landscape. Know the yes, know ma'am. The, in general, know your rules and it's shocking how many people and I've been I've been guilty of this. We've all been guilty of it. Drafting and going in and being like Why didn't I draft that guy? Our rules show that guy. This guy's just worthless for me. Yeah. Why, why, did I, why did I even draft him? You were talking about Fitzmagic last year. In this league, Fitzmagic is terrible. Worthless. Worthless. Absolutely worthless. So, know your league, know the people in your league, and know your league's rules, know the people in your league, know the landscape of the league, and just be in the know of what's going on around fantasy football and what you're doing to try and bring and hoist that crown. And know the people drafting around you. And know what's on their roster during the draft. Totally. You know, you can use that to your advantage. Know your league's rules to make your tiers. You know, all those things, the little minutia of just knowing, the playing the people around you. You know, even even if you can't, I mean, if you're doing a random league out there, you know, do a little bit of research on the guy. Maybe you can find some old leagues he's been in, what he does. You know, you can do that on Yahoo and CBS and those ESPN type of leagues. You know, we were talking about how take the best player available in every round. Does knowing your league and knowing, let's say you're at the three spot and you know the, the guy that had the, uh, had the first and the second pick um, are guys that need, need something that you like. Does, does that change your... Does that change your... A little bit. A little bit. But at the same time... Sometimes that ba- that that backfires. I don't like playing that game. To me, when I talk about know your league, and, and to me, it's know your league's rules, know all the different things. So that's where I'm saying in my league, I I know where I left myself thin on that quarterback position because I'm in a league where the rules allow anything over for for running backs at 100 points. Of every course. ten yards, every ten yards becomes double what they are. And, and of under. course, we know and, that. But there's no, no, no way no. you're going to say you're not considering knowing the guys that are drafting around no, no, no. you from your league. We already talked about that in the draft audit, which I said that's where you need to be going through. We're, we're, we're combining them all. I know, that. and that's what I'm saying. I go, that's, so, this is know the, your league gumbo, and that's the whole part about it is that you have to take all these factors into account, but know it to the point where you don't blind yourself from because you have to know. Where, where I'm saying, like, I know that this is the last quarterback I want. And I'm not going to leave, because I left myself with one time where I'm like, oh, the guy, and I'm, I'm following all the guys and the people who dress around me. They all had quarterbacks. So I was waiting, and I got stuck with Kaepernick because three teams who already had quarterbacks did what we also said, drafted a second quarterback. And then I was fucked. 
and I will never let myself get in that yeah, situation it again. Like we understand. No. But should we call? Should we call suicide prevention? No, it's over now. <laughs> so I won the title last year. I won the title last year. I'm back, I'm baby. Kidding, I'm kidding. But that's hey, how it feels, though. Here's what I'll say, fellas. It's awesome. One that it's kind of nice out and summery lately. Awesome to have all four of us in the same room. Houdini, you've been working uh, and gotten that new job and kind of been in and out. Dogmatica, you got your new gig and you've been rolling. It's awesome to have all of us in the same room talking fantasy football. Drop in the canal. You're still ass for us every day and we love you for it and thank God for you. Thank God for all of us. All of us. All of us. But yeah, stag party, consistent mofo. Uh, Let's just keep rocking this stuff out. It's the, the we can even tell from the wide receiver whiplash the listens we get a lot of listens every week it doesn't matter but we can tell the, the layman and the and the the, the 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 momentum for fantasy football is is getting there the draft as I erroneously said was in two weeks is next week if you're in Chicago stag party you're gonna come to that you're, that you're gonna go over at least to the fantasy Maybe. if you can you should I'm try gonna, to figure I, I don't out come back let's go to, until um. Friday, okay. So I'm not day, doing day yeah. two with you. Just want to throw it out there. Happy you should, holidays, everybody. Whether you're Jewish or Turkish, you know, whatever. Turkish. Yeah. Turkish. What's Turkish? 420. Oh, Tolkien. Oh, Turkish. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Happy no, Passover. Happy yeah, Passover. Yeah, That's great. Uh, Dog Manica, we're gonna have to have you fake an injury or something so you can while you're handing out some of those uh, doing your your Greenpeace stuff. You might need to have a seat a little bit more. You, Dogmatic has been standing for the last 13 hours. Dogmatic is about to fall asleep. He's wobbling a little bit. He's doing the horse thing. He's, he's sleeping standing up. With his eyes open. <laughs> Only reason you know he's asleep is because he's snoring. Life, I love it. Anyway, guys, this was... 20 ways to win your league in 2016 on 420. This is show 223. As we said earlier, this puts us over 561 hours of fantasy football podcasting. Few people, very few people in the world. That would they're be. on. They're on. There's probably. On, on two hands, you can say people that have done as much fantasy football podcasting as us. It's a popular thing now. Podcasting, once Serial came out, was a hot thing. We've been doing it since forever, and I love you guys, and I'm fired up to keep doing it. My toast to this is always uh, one of my favorite toasts. Few like us, few like us. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Simple as to the point. And it's true. And Sweet. I've been getting a lot of trolls on, on 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 our reviews on iTunes and on people that just sign up for Twitter to give me shit. And Amen doesn't bother me. I know I'm They're signing I, up. I know I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm that kind of guy. You're a target. I could yeah, I could be a target. I'm not gonna play like I shouldn't be, but you don't have to listen. <laughs> if I'm such an idiot, don't listen. Yeah, right now, yes, yes. The question I think about two hours and fifteen minutes ago. The answer to the question is: Right now, we will have spent exactly one, uh, three weeks, two days, eleven hours, and thirty-three minutes straight 
together doing that. That's what he was doing. He wasn't sleeping. He was counting up the weeks. Come Make it 40 minutes. Make it 40 minutes because the charlatans are closing us out with a 6 minute and 42 second song. And let me tell you, this is the Charlatans UK. You guys know I'm the Britpop guy here. This is a great album, some friendly. And uh, the honest to God truth is, this is one of the most beautiful Britpop late 80s, or yeah, late 80s, I believe. Maybe it's early 90s tracks of all time. And this shit was. Uh, I was listening to it in the 60s. It's so friggin' good. Charlatans UK, not then the Charlatans, now the Charlatans. Who gives a crap? This is... And this is your opportunity to listen to Opportunity. We love you guys.
Some folks ask me if you had it to do over again, would you do it the same way? Well, I reckon I would. Mm -hmm. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.